0: This premium episode of Watch Out for Fireballs is brought to you by Jack, one of our patrons. If you would like to hear the whole thing or support us or get bonus episodes or sponsor episodes, head on over to Patreon.com slash DuckFeedTV. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games
1: Club podcast. And this week we are talking about Darkest Dungeon, which is a strategy RPG developed and published by Red Hook Studios for PC
0: and contemporary systems in 2016. Yeah. And this is a uh, big thanks to Jack. Jack mm-hmm. executive produced this. This is something I want to talk about for a very long time. Yeah, this is uh, uh, you're your real into this. Plate oh oh boy this is going to be the reverse all the people who listen to paradise killer and were like man cole's right gary <laughs> gary's fool he doesn't like this are gonna now it's my turn it's <laughs> my turn my 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 it's, turn my it's, turn it's, it's not that i Word dislike this <laughs> the uh no i i i know <laughs> but uh this is uh this is so absolutely and completely gary nip yeah as do uh I was thinking about it so I, I replayed this uh a while ago. I played through it many times um did a let's play you can find it on youtube it got me to like do video shit mm-hmm. video games don't do that yeah uh just this and dark souls um <laughs> and then uh I was thinking about it, and this is i'm not expecting you to agree with this or, or anyone really to agree with this this is uh in definitely in my like top five or ten shit we've done for the show yeah this is this is one of my favorite video games mm-hmm. Uh I am exceedingly into this. Yeah. Uh,
1: and I, I can I can I can definitely I can definitely see and understand that. I am more in the position where I admire this, but this is not my flavor of stressful. <laughs>
0: yeah. I think a lot of it's going to depend on how much active stress you feel playing it. Yes. And I just I've to the point now where this is relaxing to me. Mhm. Um, because of
1: uh brains, yeah, and for me, frostpunk is relaxing to me. It's just uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's all and I, it's all different stuff, no.
0: yeah. I, I think that probably the closer version of something because I like frostpunk actually quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, a closer version might be this war of mine, yeah, which I yeah. like a lot, but I, th- I get the sense you like more than I do. I do,
1: yes, yeah, uh, I, I, lo- uh, I, I love find that game, that game a bit. Yeah. yeah,
0: uh. This is our premium episode, which means everyone's going to get the generalities. Everyone else is going to get the story. Um, And this is also something where – and this was a caveat uh, that we gave to Jack where, like, I have put hundreds and hundreds of hours into this. Uh, Cole put – you know, Cole gets it. Yeah. I'm not doubting your your bona fides at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's – it's definitely going to be a little bit of a guidance episode. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we've got one coming up later on that will be kind of the other way around, too. Absolutely so, will be, yeah. Just okay. uh, just a, a dalian being a coy boy again, uh, but yeah, uh, this will be kind of something where Gary's going to take the leadle, uh, lead, lead a little bit, especially with like insights about ways that the systems interact. Because this game, I don't want to say it's nothing but systems, because there's actually cool narrative and aesthetic Tons stuff of going on here. Yeah, yeah. extremely extremely well flavored. Um, but uh, but you know, it is it is real systems forward um and it's not they're... it's not
0: a narrative game it's yeah. it's tone flavor and mechanics yes you know that suggests a narrative without being too explicit about it at very many points mm-hmm. yeah um so
1: another caveat on this is that we are talking about the base game here uh we're not going to be talking about locations or encounters that are specific to either expansion uh the crimson court or uh color of madness uh, yes. there'll be a section where we can talk about those, but that, uh, including those, uh, like, I don't know that it would be necessarily too much content based on what I've seen scanning over stuff, but enabling those, my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, Gary, is that, uh, having those active would make it way too hard for somebody who's never played it before.
0: The, the Crimson Court, they're both end game content. Yeah. And the Crimson Court, uh, is like a wash over the, the campaign. Mm-hmm. That adds an extra thing to manage that's difficult. Yeah. Um, well, I will be spoiling what that is. Like, mm-hmm. I, I want to say what is in the the DLCs, but mm-hmm. we're not going to like describe the bosses or or anything. Yeah. Um. The uh the Crimson Court specifically ends up being pretty important to the lore and backstory.
1: It's like um uh, uh-huh. like origins, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, like, kind of how the, the Ancestor got his origins, and then the Color of Madness DLC kind of explains why you are, um, spoiler, there'll be spoilers for what plot there is in this game, kind of explains why you're stuck in a time loop. Yeah. Why, you know, the the Hamlet itself is this kind of weird otherworld where people keep arriving. But nobody leaves know, no except to what. die.
1: <laughs> yeah, just,
0: just to die. Like, it, it being this kind of, like, churn. Mm-hmm you know, where you can repeat dungeons, bosses come back to life, things like that. Yeah. Um, it's kind of explained through the color of, of madness. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and also like this is a, this is a roguelike game. Uh, so mm-hmm. we're going to kind of defer to the roguelike uh, structure, uh, kind of the mm-hmm. way we have, uh, dealt with things for, um, um, you know, uh, let's say monster train and enter the gungeon, uh,
0: primarily, uh, before this. Yeah. Uh, in this game you uh, you are a character you play as an heir to the estate that's run by a character known as the ancestor uh, and the estate is on top of this horrible Eldric dungeon um and it has corrupted the surrounding countryside uh, and the surrounding countryside has corrupted it yes um so you are the heir you manage the hamlet um your estate and you send expeditions uh, into these different. Uh, areas, these different kind of occupied lands, um, gaining strength and resources to end up conquering the dungeon, darkest dungeon, and hopefully seal away that evil forever. Hopefully, uh, so you, yeah, you can see the uh, the tower on okay. the distance. It's about gaining the strength to get there.
1: Yes, um, and you foolishly can go there at any time. I believe, right? You can really screw yeah. yourself if you
0: want to. People have done it. Uh, yeah. I was looking online and watching a video of a level one darkest dungeon. Oh God. Play, which blows <laughs> my mind. I have no idea how you do that. Uh, I, I like this game and I'm pretty good at it. I'm not to that degree.
1: Yeah. There's always going to be a Lobos. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> always There's always a Lobos. There's always a Lobos tower. Um, so let's uh, get into it. Talking about the loop. We're going to talk about, um, you know, things like the actual loop and systems in this first half. Mm hmm. And then talk about the classes areas, and bosses in the second half. So, yes. as a reminder, everybody gets the first half. Patrons get the second half. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah the, uh, the, the this will be a good one for public listeners. The ratio might be a little bit skewed uh, this time, yeah, because uh, there's just a lot it's of meaty. there's a lot of generalities. like we said, this is a, this is an incredibly systems forward game. um, and mm-hmm. because it is on this loop, Uh, It's difficult to decide where to start talking about it. But I think Mm -hmm. that the kind of where you spend the most time is in these expeditions. So I think it makes sense to start there and then zoom, you know, start there and with the combat and then kind of zoom out for the meta.
0: Does
1: that make sense to you?
0: Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. Um, Yeah. So uh, you go on these different expeditions that take a week's worth of time in the game um, by assembling a group of four of your heroes Uh, these are they all have kind of a dark edge to them Mm -hmm. Uh, you know they're they're a little bit of a cosmic definitely some michael mann in there (laughs) Um, and uh, you're you're mixing and matching classes uh, Mm -hmm. and then you choose one of these locations there are four in the base game um, and the missions have different uh, kind of properties so they'll either be a different length they'll have different objectives they'll have different difficulty levels
1: yes Yeah. And by objectives, it's like, you know, explore all, you know, 90% of the rooms here, finish all of the combat uh, encounters in rooms, uh, uh, take this item to a particular uh, like altar uh, within this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all these can of,
0: have different effects as well. Yeah. Um, the, the typical explore and slay ones usually don't, but there'll be special events. Like if you have to bring an item to an altar, that will give you a bonus next time you go to that dungeon and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but you pick your mission based on those things and also by the reward that it promises, you know, that, that is mm-hmm. all kind of randomized, especially the, the, the piece of gear, the trinket that you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you make this decision and choose your party, you provision with food, torches, uh, and items that will help you deal with uh, obstacles and status effects, and then you embark.
0: Yes. Uh, and then when you get to the dungeon, uh, the entire game takes place from the side view. You have your four heroes progressing down the hallway in a marching order that you determine uh, very D&D. Yes. Um, you know this entire thing, like tanks up front, you know, squish your <laughs> units in back. Um, you know, there there are a lot of considerations with moving units. We'll we'll get into that, yeah, uh, eventually. But in a general sense, yeah. you're setting these up like D parties. Yeah, in, in a way, um, this
1: feels more D D than like you know if something that would try to more directly, uh, let's say, more, more more directly mimic the graph paper format like if yeah. if this was tile based like they initially planned for it to be that would start edging into feeling like a tactics game to me right um yeah. boiling it down to kind of like this consideration feels way more like any D&D campaign that I've ever played
0: well it's actually it's yeah it, and it is still there's so much tactical consideration to this yes um uh, way more than 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 most video games i've played um the and even positioning they just simplify it like it is a a small numbers tactics rpg Mm -hmm. um in with small numbers on every scope so like your actual damage number hp numbers and things like that are small so are the position possibilities you know, it, it reminds me of like uh, those apps that are like chess puzzles with little, you know, four by four chess grids.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Things like that. Like there's a constrained space to the positioning that did feel like any theater of the mind D&D that I've ever done, you know, without actually having the grid. Mm-hmm. Um, the dungeons are procedurally generated. So a series of rooms connected by hallways. And when you're in one of the rooms, you choose which direction you want to go into uh, from there. Uh, when you enter a room, you uh, you get a chance to scout. Uh, scouting is very important. It's a stat that your characters have. Um, this will show you traps, enemy encounters on the map. Um, it can reveal secret rooms, which mm-hmm. are huge. Uh, scouting is very good. Yeah. Um, and inside rooms, you'll sometimes encounter items and uh, special things, but lots. And also in the hallways, uh, you will encounter combat here as well. Monsters. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: a lot of combat.
0: <laughs> you know
1: <laughs> uh to the point where like you know th- there are well it's not random because you can scout them out and see But if a scout fails i'm pretty much always on edge when i'm walking on uh, some of this because mm-hmm. i don't know when something's going to come up and get me
0: you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah certainly <laughs> uh an intended part of the tone yes is that you will get uh, ambush that's different than the actual ambush mechanics which we'll talk about mm-hmm. um So moving into uh, combat, uh, we are not going to be able to fully cover uh, combat in this because the combat is really crunchy and complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, The game is unapologetically complicated. Yes. So uh, we're going to talk about the individual classes and things that influence this, but for now we're just going to do generalities for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And as part of the generalities and as part of that complication – I feel like uh, as somebody who kind of went through this process, like back when Darkest Dungeon first came out and everybody was Mm -hmm. talking it up, I was obviously people that that I know and like uh, were really talking this up and saying like, yeah, Gary, I've made so many runs at trying to get into this yeah <laughs> um M- many many runs um and something that really got in the way uh was this complexity um and also the uh the the way that information is kind of presented uh you're mm-hmm. really dealing with uh, with with a lot of uh, a lot of interface It's a, it's a lot of interface i don't even like want to say like a lot of interface problems um there's a lot like, the learning to read this game is definitely a part of it uh and it's part of the onboarding and it was kind of a it was an ongoing process for me mm-hmm. like i didn't i, I don't want to say how like what level of dungeon i was going through before i realized um <laughs> what the little gold ticks next to the next to the um uh characters uh, kind of like name and health bar represented like oh this character yeah. has an action left right
0: there there's a lot of stuff like that that it does not explained to you through like tooltips
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's stuff that's in the glossary of the game but it, it kind of you know we compare this to d the way that i think it conveys information the closest comparison is a board game yeah um like a modern board game mm-hmm. so there's a lot of like interface stuff where you know you'd expect to have um you know they like a book that says like you know circles a little position says this is what this means mm-hmm. Here. um and then also skills are like stat blocks like yes. when you read uh, a skill or something like that it's it's telling you things like that in a way that feels exactly like it could just go on a board game card mm-hmm. you know uh for something so it definitely uh the same way like it, it is to me this is a game that does expect you to engage with it fully
1: you have to meet it
0: yeah you have to meet it like it's not something where you can you have to be there mm-hmm. for it like you don't put it on and then this kind of vibe like it's something where it's like okay like the game is giving me this little piece of information about this attack they're mm-hmm. doing or this this enemy this is important yeah you know one of my favorite things about it and and this is going to be you know the dose makes the poison for a lot of people but there's not superfluous information mm-hmm. in uh in darkest dungeon like all of it matters Yeah. Something that drives me nuts in video games is if I read something and there is no reason for me to read it, mm-hmm. like it was neither entertaining nor educating. Yeah. And here the lore is all entertaining. Like mm-hmm. I like all of the the lore, and the uh, every little bit of like stat block or whatever that you read, like you have you should read it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like um, like I always think about uh, Esper growths in Final Fantasy VI and how I don't pay attention to those. Yeah. Yeah. Really? You don't have to. It's not really how the game game is made. Whereas this is something where like to get the most out of it it wants you to do that. Yeah. Um the uh I not that's not to say that they couldn't explain those ticks. right you know like
1: yeah i don't think
0: that would have been subtractive by any means like
1: if there if there was just like a like an overlay like it's it's weird to say oh dark souls got this right because the interface in dark souls is kind of famously dog shit uh but mm -hmm. like being able to press select and just have anything on the uh specifically the menu screens explained to you is a real big uh, is a is a real big thing. Uh, the glossary yeah. I found to be functionally useless because it was not arranged by like importance or by system. It was arranged alphabetically. <laughs> yeah, you
0: have to know what the thing is called.
1: <laughs> yeah, so like uh, what, what, what I ran wrap. into, even in uh, like you know checking the the, the, the wiki, I played this on on iPad, and I would use mm-hmm. multitasking to hop over to uh, you know to hop over to a browser you know keeping an eye on spoilers making sure like it's stuff that was supposed to surprise me would surprise me but like what i found myself running into was like i don't know what question to ask to get the answer that i need
0: (laughs) yeah it's something where it definitely benefits from having um like a sherpa yeah you know from it like between my my first and or my second and third run-ups at this or whatever, because we covered this for Comrade a long time ago when it was basically a pretty different game, mm-hmm. early patches. Um, I watched someone play it. Yep, uh, And that made tons of stuff make sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, I, I would never, as much as I'm just an absolutely unbelievably huge fan of this game, that's never something I would say that, like, the devs couldn't explain. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that it's, uh, you know, and it's, it's hard to draw the line, right? So, like, something mm-hmm. like those gold ticks, I want those to be there. But you know if you if you look at the like a skill stat block, mm-hmm. like that gives you the information you need
1: it does, you yeah, know,
0: generally. Like I think that stuff is very, very complete. It's not a perfect information mm-hmm. strategy game, like an into the breach. yeah, but it gives you more information typically it gives you a lot, lot like it do. even
1: shows like what the what the enemy's potential moves are. You know, mm-hmm. like if it, if you mouse over them and it shows their stats and stuff. Like, there's no special skill that you need in order to like understand how much HP is left or like what this thing's resistances are. Like, yeah. a- everything is there for you to make the decisions that you need to make, uh, trade offs and all. You know, um, mm-hmm. it's just that learning to read it, it. It's it's really the the process of learning the game is 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 learning yeah. to read this uh, and kind of going from. You know, just barely treading water to like understanding the meat and potatoes parts of the classes to really understanding that this move that I thought was useful or was really niche actually is the most important thing. If I have this other party member with this one and then understanding, oh, it's not just those two that work together. It's that any of these can potentially work super great with each other. Um, I just have to figure out how it is like everything synergizes with everything to varying degrees, but you can make things work. Right, and all of seeing, and seeing
0: all. that is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, yeah, no. Dark done, <laughs> I know. Yeah, good. The, go ahead. the uh, to me that is the joy of the game. Yes, like when I realized that and had the you know I saw the code, you know, mm-hmm. basically like the Matrix thing, like all the the thing went away and I actually saw what was happening. Mm-hmm. That was such a, a feeling. I got the feeling of mastery around that that people get fighting sword Saint Ishan. Yes. You know, and figuring him out. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, like, no, I just know this. Like, I, you know, I get it. Yeah. And the, the experience of, like, finding a breakthrough and then putting into action, testing it and having it work mm-hmm. is my favorite thing that a video game can reward, mm-hmm. which is me being clever. It's mm-hmm. not me being, or, you know, me being understanding, you yeah. know, coming with a breakthrough and intuition. It's not me being patient. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not me tapping through a cutscene and something happening to my character. It's something that in the fiction of the game, the air and in reality, Gary Butterfield figured out <laughs> yeah. and then put into practice. And that is what makes me feel good about like a skill. Yes. You know, it cannot be just an aggrandizing of my, my avatar. And for me, it can't be reflexes. Yeah you know, it's it's not going to be pulling off a big combo in like a Ninja Gaiden mm-hmm. that does it for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what's funny is like, now that I've, now that I've got this, I feel, I feel very equipped. Like I could see myself, you know, I just have this on iPad, like maybe doing a dungeon a night, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. cause like, Oh, it, it just takes like a half hour, you know, if, it's super at, good that, for that, that,
0: yeah. that kind of rhythm. Yeah. And then darkest dungeon two is coming out, which is totally flipping the script. We'll talk about that yeah, a yeah. little bit, but mm-hmm. it's going to be very different. Um, so combat, uh, you know, as you mentioned, the marching order matters, those are your positions. So think of those as like a strategic position and the enemy has them as well, you know, so you have your four heroes on one side, your four enemies on the other, and whether they're in the front or back matters, um, each hero can equip four moves, mm-hmm. um, and they can only be used from certain positions and affect certain positions. So you're looking at that when you're choosing the moves, mm-hmm. uh, for them. Yes.
1: Um, And like you said earlier, if you played any kind of RPG, the basic logic of this is going to make sense to you. You know, you're going to have tougher melee Mm -hmm. fighters up front who will take attacks um, and do melee damage mostly to the front ranks of the enemies. And you're going to have softer, more specialized people in the back, um, you know, uh, mostly affecting the back ranks uh, with their, with their range attacks and the area in between will be hybrids who can kind of be flexible.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, each class has eight skills that you can learn, Uh but you can only equip four at a time. So you get to specialize your character.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and these kind of suggest different builds. Uh, no character is just one thing. They can all do multiple things. Yeah. Um, and your moves will also affect positioning. So this complicates your rank order. Either enemies can move you around, uh, to fuck you up. You know, you're in the back. You can't do this move from the back mm-hmm. or you can move enemies in the back to the front where they're less effective.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is something, if you are playing this, uh, you're not going to have to deal with, I, I found that I didn't have to deal with enemies purposely disrupting my, uh, position, um, very much outside of the darkest dungeon itself, where it becomes the mechanic.
0: <laughs> the, a lot of things in the darkest dungeon scramble you. Know. Yes. Yeah. Um, there, there, there are a couple enemies that do it, uh, otherwise, but, uh, your characters have resistances to move and it tends to be pretty decent. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, the other thing with the enemy AI in this is that uh, it will try to fuck you up mm-hmm. with that stuff, but the intelligence that it has is limited. Yeah. So there's a couple of things you can learn about it that allow you to take advantage. So, like, if an enemy has higher stress, the enemy stress casters will mm-hmm. tend to target them. Yeah. Try to pile it up. Um, I was, I've not found a way to manipulate the move stuff. Gotcha. Like, I would have enemies move me into more advantageous positions. Mm-hmm. You know without really understanding what class they're moving around
1: yeah um if you get moved out of your optimal optimal position you can uh use an action uh to get back to it uh depending mm-hmm. on how far you moved different you know different characters are going to be more or less mobile um in ways mm-hmm. that make sense right nimble characters can move more Um, But uh, this is going to take up an action. Uh, And this is in addition to like if you're a crusader, right, your basic kind of paladin guy, you know, gets pushed a couple of a couple of positions back and he's meant to be in the front lines. You can use, you know, one of his skills if you have it equipped to kind of attack deeper into the enemy ranks and it will advance him a lot of classes. Mm -hmm. Not all of them, but most of them have an attack that will move them forward or back um, on a move. So you can use that. Uh, To get some kind of effect in uh, instead of just uh, instead of just squandering that turn on a move Um, or Mm -hmm. uh, being, you know, being pressed out of your uh, optimal position left with no move that you can do hi leper I, I don't understand why people think the leper is so powerful
0: <laughs> the, the, it's a meme
1: yeah okay. uh,
0: like the, the leper is very powerful but he's he's not my favorite
1: yeah um uh, but but yeah if you uh if you skip a turn that piles up stress so if you are yeah, powerless your, your guys don't like it yeah yeah they, they do not like feeling powerless
0: yeah yeah which uh, you know makes sense yeah um each uh, turn, your, your characters each get one action, and the enemies get uh, usually one action, but bosses will sometimes get multiple actions. Mm-hmm. And there's an initiative. Um, there's a die roll, and then they add your speed stat mm-hmm. uh, to it. Once every character is active, we go to the next round. Um, there are some kind of effects to rounds. Yeah. Uh, of this uh did you end up running into reinforcements uh no
1: um because i was warned about them i i understand ah. the reinforcements were added later on in order to stop um stalling uh yes. where you keep one enemy alive uh but stunned uh in order to use uh any any skills that you have to heal stress and um and uh health
0: yeah, yeah. so you can you can still do it you just kind of have to throttle uh, yeah. the needle a little bit uh speed is incredibly important mm-hmm. yeah um the uh, the move effects that you do when you do an action are really diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about that when we talk about classes. Uh, you know, In general, uh, you get a lot of options here. And uh, you want to generally always be doing something. We talked about this with the move skill. It is better to attack and move up than just move up. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't just... There's not only damage, there's also status effects. Yeah. And uh, status effects in this game, this is, to me... Um, I can't think of a video game that does status effects better
1: it's super not, meaningful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and that's it's it's ridiculous that in video games meaningful is a low, is a high bar to clear for status, status <laughs> effects because so many games include them just because it feels like you you should
1: yeah it's a it's a it's, you know? a it's a legacy thing you know but primarily they are things for the enemy to do to you and not you to do to the enemy or it is um uh the, the, they are unsuccessful enough that you are dissuaded from using them and it's like oh that boss is a piece of cake if you put them to sleep okay yeah. that has literally never worked before you know i'm I, talking I, a lot about final fantasy there but not just about final fantasy
0: Yeah, it's not. It's it's largely Final Fantasy, but it's lots of and even even uh, this has the knock-on effect of having a million spells, you know, two thirds of which are just trash. Yes, you know, in those games, like this game again, everything that is in Darkest Dungeon matters. Mm -hmm. None of it is just garbage. Yeah. So, like status effects, uh, you know, you primarily rely on uh, stun, uh, bleed, and blight. Bleed and blight do damage over time. Um, and they, uh, the super important thing is they stack. Yes. So you set up blight on a character, like po- there's poison and bleeding. There's just two, and the reason why they're they're different is because different areas have different resistances. Uh, to those things are different characters. Um, so you know you're getting three damage per turn. You stack this up, you're getting six damage per turn. Mm-hmm. You know for three turns, you stack this up, you're getting nine damage per turns. It really, really adds up. Yeah. Um, and it's per enemy action. Mm-hmm. that they tick so enemies that have a lot of actions uh are really susceptible
1: yeah uh which makes some of those bosses that have that have high protection uh, and also lots of mm-hmm. hp uh they actually melt pretty fast if you have the right party uh to uh, mm-hmm. to lay dots on them yeah um and damage over time gets around protection uh, protection is like damage resistance uh that uh, that an enemy can have um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, this is huge. And the thing that keeps that from being overpowered is that any individual um, damage over time effect has a limited time that it is effective. So it's like three points of damage per round for three rounds or something like that. So you still want to be laying these on because, you know, while, you know, three rounds is a lot of time in this game, uh, potentially it's not everything.
0: Yeah. And if it's just if you're not adding it on, then you're just getting nine damage total, which yes. is basically just like an attack. hmm. Uh, stun is also incredibly important in this game. Uh, a little bit more than half of the heroes have a stun move. Mm -hmm. So, uh, stun and stun stops the enemy from acting. Uh, one of the things is you are not uh, a common misconception in this game is that using a stun is you're trading your turn for an enemy's turn. No, no. Um, uh, every stun does something else as well. Mm -hmm. So you're always getting a little damage, a little debuff. You're stunning multiple characters. You're shuffling the party. Uh, stun is huge. Yes. And you know, similar to Divinity: Original Sin two, depriving the enemy of turns is really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, enemy turns are devastating yeah. in this game. They are they are harsher than your turns mm-hmm. are. So you have to use these tactics to minimize their efficacy while maximizing yours. And you are at the downhill. Like you are, it's an uphill battle for you.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think that it's important to at least at least acknowledge that, like, the first thing that you see when you load up this game is that this game, you know, Darkest Dungeon is, is about making the best of a bad situation. Yeah. Um. You know, you're firmly in the XCOM territory of, you know, kind of always being at the disadvantage and figuring out um, how to how to fail successfully, let's say.
0: Yeah, fail upwards or minimize your failures to take advantage of, which ends up being for a game that is as deterministic, you know, as this is in terms of giving you the information. There's a lot of room for improv. Yes. Because, you know, oh, like this has a pretty good chance of stun. I'm going to go for it, Mm -hmm. but I need to have something in my back pocket if that doesn't work. Yeah. Because even a pretty good chance of stun, like it still might miss. Yeah.
1: You know, or like the, the 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 damage will work, right? It'll do damage, but they'll resist the stun, or they'll dodge yes. and get you know, and get, and get neither. There are multiple different ways that enemies can uh, uh, can, can rebuke you uh, like mm-hmm. that. But yeah, uh, s- s- stunning, especially uh, if you have somebody who can. Um, oh my gosh, any caster, uh, the mm-hmm. the plague doctor being able to yeah. lock down the back rows. Um, you so know, good enemies in the back. Uh, they'll, they'll fuck you up more than just dealing with dealing health damage to you
0: <laughs> they, they tend to be the stress, stress dealers, yeah. stress and, and disease and, and, and status effects.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. cause yeah,
0: the enemy plays by the same rules you do, like mm-hmm. they're going to compose their parties similarly to how you do. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, so, you know, locking them down and keeping them from getting any of those out is a, is, is a big deal.
0: Uh, mark is another status effect. Um, this uh, will make certain skills more effective. It doesn't do anything on its own. The enemy can mark you as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you can take marks upon yourself in exchange for certain buffs, uh, which will make certain enemy skills more uh, more efficacious. Mm-hmm. And then there are buffs and debuffs, uh, which are temporary kind of stat changes. Uh, very importantly, these also stack. Yep. So, uh, you know, you it is a viable strategy if you have a plus, you know, critical plus... Accuracy skill, like the Jester, to just spam that throughout the entire battle Mm -hmm. and just make your whole party better. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And also understand that, you know, just by at a glance, by looking at your party, you can kind of see the menu of the effects that are on them and little symbols over Mm -hmm. their health bar. Uh, mouse over that or uh, if you're playing on the iPad long press on it on any of those uh, and take a look and see because uh, the text on that describing maybe uh, the enemy stacked up uh, a status effect that reduces that reduces the uh, the potency of healing done to that character yeah. so that's why you're only getting one or two at most
0: when you use a round to heal them <laughs> you know yeah yeah you want you, you want to know those things for yeah. sure um, these go both ways You know, there's a Symmetry to Darkest Dungeon, which I really like. Uh, Mm -hmm. Everybody plays by the same rules. Um, And you can heal status effects through items. Using an item in your inventory as a free action. But the items are limited. And really importantly, um, the thing fires first. Mm -hmm. So if you have a stack of Blight, you will get poisoned before you can use the Anecdote. Yes. So that makes, uh, you cannot use an item on another party member, but it makes skills that get rid of status effects good. Yes. Uh, You know, if, say, my Crusader gets poisoned, my Plague Doctor goes first, my Plague Doctor can use, uh, you know, her turn to heal the Crusader.
1: I think, importantly, we should probably say, because this is starting to sound very similar to other games that we have done that have been um, uh, very determined by fixed turn order, uh, things like Child of Light, things like uh, Crimson Shroud, Final Fantasy X, etc., this game does not show you. Uh, like a procession of who acts in what order no so yeah. you, you, you
0: can control by having higher speed mm-hmm. you know you can you can make an educated guess yeah but people can still crit you know critically success or critically fail you mm-hmm. know which is playing into that that uh you know the 80 percent perfect information but 20 yeah. percent room to improvise mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah so as we're talking about combat and as we're talking about trying to get out in front of an effect, uh, it's a, it's important to understand. Although, like, you know, if you are trying to put an effect on an enemy um, so that they can be a dead man walking, uh, it mm-hmm. is uh, especially important to, like, maybe target somebody who hasn't acted on that turn. Because hopefully you can, yes. you know, pile the dot on and they can uh, take the damage this round as opposed to waiting to the next one.
0: And yeah. you can get a general sense of how fast and slow party members are. Yeah. You know, so, like, even if you don't get an order, like, your Crusader is going to go last. Yes. You know, it's, like, one of the slowest classes in the game. Yeah. Um, and you can see this, but it is up to you to look, look it up. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to look at their speed stat. Yeah. And yeah.
1: it's just right there on the screen. Everything is laid to you. It's not a, it is not nested anywhere.
0: Mm-mm. Yeah. Uh, so combat kind of progresses. Everyone performs their actions until one side or the other one is uh, is out. Um, something they added to the game uh after I first played it is corpses. um It was too easy to wipe out a character- an enemy character and totally ruin the enemy's arrangement mm-hmm. you know where they couldn't do anything, yeah, so now they leave behind a corpse that holds their place uh which you either have to smash or clear with a skill, yes. Uh, there, so you can still move enemies directly, but if you're just doing it by killing enemies, you have to take a little bit of an extra step
1: mm-hmm.
0: for that. Yeah. Um, one thing I would love to have is I think heroes should have corpses as well. Mm-hmm. Like if one of your heroes dies, it does fuck up your, your order.
1: It really does. Um,
0: <laughs> I've had, I've had a character be the last member of the party before and have no moves they can do from the front. Oh God. Uh and that's a that's a real that's a bummer. Um the uh so I think heroes should have corpses and, and one of the DLCs, the free uh competitive DLC, mm-hmm. the heroes have corpses. So yeah. I, I imagine that's something they, they will consider for Darkest Dungeon too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um it's not always bad uh to have the corpses there. Um because mm-hmm. also you know, I've run into situations where you know i had, you know the but because of who i had and because of the skills that were there i didn't have very many very many options for attacking the front lines with anybody who wasn't on my front line you know, it's mm-hmm. like if you have an arbalist, right, uh, the gun kind of the archer class, you're like, OK, well, I can't really do shit. Or if you have the jester, right um, there, you know, I mm-hmm. can't really do shit if the enemy is alone. Um, having the corpse there, keeping them further back in the ranks actually does end up uh, giving you another round or two for that for that enemy to be uh kind of gettable by more of your characters mm-hmm. so like it you know it doesn't get in the way it just fixes the corpses in position for you or it fixes the other yeah. uh, combatants in position
0: yeah it, it allows you uh it, it seems like a big downside until you realize until you start strategizing for positioning yeah on the enemy and then you realize you want them to stay consistent mm-hmm. um so uh we will'll we'll talk about these individual classes and locations in kind of the second half, uh, but you do want to uh, design your power or your party rather um, with these kind of synergies in mind. you want to read a class and see what it's good at you know uh, generally you're composing a party to have DPS, some kind of healing, and then some kind of utility mm-hmm. uh, there. and you can kind of mix and match between different classes to get that. Yeah um, you can play very basic uh, the game the party the game starts you with. Mm-hmm. Is, is incredibly versatile and powerful yep <laughs> you know um it's doing that on purpose you know mm-hmm. there's a lot of intentionality to the first class as the game gives you but you can uh really mix it up and get some pretty wild broken stuff mm-hmm. as well
1: yeah um and you can either come to those yourself or you can uh you know look them up it's up to you
0: yeah nothing wrong with that
1: yeah something that i like is actually uh, certain combinations of characters will have um will have uh, uh, kind of like a name, like a, like like a mm-hmm. named party assortment. So like all religious characters will have uh will have a name. I don't know. It's kind of like playing a uh, little inferno, but with your dudes.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you get you get a cute little uh like I I love um if you do three antiquarians and a hellion, it's sightseeing tour. <laughs> uh, it's very very sweet. Like there, there's you know there's a little bit of a sense of humor to this game. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll talk about that when we get to flavor, yeah, and stuff. But I think some of the cool badass dark lines are also pretty funny uh the the uh yeah and that's gonna it's gonna be fun to talk about wayne june
1: Uh, wayne
0: june get on cameo (laughs)
1: please (laughs)
0: um so in addition to your health that you're dealing with uh there's also stress which functions as a kind of health and then the light level of the dungeon Mm -hmm. um your light level will deplete over time Um, Some attacks can raise and lower it as well. Attacks on your end, raise it. Attacks on the enemy's end, lowers it. And as you walk, uh, it lowers. And this is replenished using torches. Um, Generally, brighter light will give you more advantages but less treasure. Mm -hmm. Um, Enemies won't catch you by surprise. You won't be as stressed. If you do a lower light, uh, you will generally get, uh, it's tougher, but you get higher rewards. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I never had the bravery to like mess around with a, uh, with a low light build, uh, primarily because getting surprised and being caught in the back foot, um, at the best, it would, uh, cause the enemy to get an extra turn on you. Uh, at the worst, uh, uh, oh, back attack, uh, everybody yeah. is out of position, uh, a nightmare. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it can it can ruin you to be surprised. Yeah, uh, in this game, um, yeah, I I don't fuck around with low light very much either. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's something that in my thinking of replaying with higher challenge things like that is a well known like torchless mm-hmm. is a is a well known darkest dungeon challenge thing that I've considered. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently, once you know how to play the game, it goes a lot faster because your resources are just you're getting so much stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: You
0: know? So it's a way to to, to beat the game faster.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, stress is basically a health meter. Uh it goes from zero to two hundred. Uh, and a lot of things will raise it, even just walking around in the dungeon mm-hmm. um will raise it a little bit. And you have some skills that will lower it, and there's some dungeon features that will lower it, but more things raise it than lower it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's incredibly important to the game, something that the game never tells you, but I think is is it's reasonable to intuit is that when you go back to the Hamlet after a mission, you're, you're fully healed, but your stress remains. Yes. That is the game telling you, Hey, which of these is more important, (laughs) you know, and tying into the theme, right? Like, you know, the wounds, the wounds of war may heal, but are never, you know, whatever the, the quote is. Yeah. Um, so you want to prevent stress as much as possible.
1: Yes. You want to ameliorate it. You can build, um, to fight it. You can Mm -hmm. build to like even just like raise resistance to stress, either with Mm -hmm. with uh, with combat skills or uh, with 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 camp skills, and you can also heal it. Um, And you know a lot of you know know, two of the structures in your hamlet, which only has you know limited number of structures, are kind of you know Mm -hmm. built to deal with this um, in the long term. Right, in exchange for money, you can uh, you can lower this. Uh, it's very important that this uh, that, that that this accumulates. Additionally, like an important part of the stress system is that uh, it is a natural way to get you to rotate through heroes. Um, mm-hmm. If there was no long term accumulation of stress, then there would be very little incentive for you to do anything but rely on the same four, you know, f- f- yeah. four or six, maybe you know, subbing different people in um and one of the things that you need to do it's not a goal that is stated but it is absolutely imperative is you need an extremely deep roster to finish this game.
0: Yeah. Which which ties into the the story theming stuff yeah. of it. Like if this is this, this is not the story of four heroes who cleanse a land. You know, this this is the story of you, you know, sending people against the the dark, you know, essentially attempting to to, to mill down the, the cosmic horror, you know, and what you'll pay for it. Yes. Yeah. You know. Um, once you get a hundred stress, uh, you have a resolve check, um, a resolve check determines whether you either become to the, the stress or succumb to the stress and become afflicted. Or if you push past it and become virtuous, um, the base chance is 25% chance for virtue mm-hmm. and trinkets and, and different things can affect this. Um, afflictions are, uh, you know, sanity. These are sanity checks in, in say, like Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, um, they are a really big deal. Um, so these are things like you know, angry, irrational, abusive, masochistic mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Um, and they they take the character in, partly out of your control, and then give them uh, a bunch of debuffs.
1: Yeah, yeah. Some some buffs actually. Like if they're if they're mm-hmm. angry or abusive, they'll do extra damage uh but the downside is is always way more um uh, than uh than any possible benefit that you would get uh the the, the biggest deal is losing um uh, is 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 potentially losing actions you know you get a, a paranoid character they have a pretty high likelihood of when their turn comes around they won't do anything but they will move to the back of the party because they believe that the party members are demons who will betray them
0: yeah, or they'll refuse a heal. Yeah, like I'm not letting that sawbones touch me. I mean, you know, and like, if shit, it's the, man, if it's the occultist,
1: that makes sense. But <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Like you, you know, you're right. Ninety, you know, one out of every hundred times with this, um, an afflicted hero is right twice a day. Uh, they also start uh, yelling out about this, which stresses everyone else out.
1: I, I love um, that. Yeah, yeah, if you're if you're around good, somebody like that, who lost control, they start
0: commenting on each other. Yep. Like, give me the damn crossbow. <laughs> <You> know, just <laughs> Oh,
1: I just said uh, the, 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 bar, the bark writing in this is very good.
0: <laughs> yeah, you get, you get a great sense of the characters for them not having straight up narratives. Mm-hmm. Like we'll, we'll talk about that, but I, I really do like the characters in this game.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, affliction stick around unless you can reduce your uh, stress to zero in that expedition, uh, or you can take them to a facility in the Hamlet. Yeah. Um, so a real big deal. Uh, virtues are equally a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, if you become virtuous that lasts for the entire dungeon, um, which is huge and they're all great. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, your characters will heal each other's stress. They will give each other buffs. They'll debuff the enemy for free. Things like that. Yeah um really really incredible
1: yeah um and like virtues you know like getting to the point where it's the test of will and getting a virtue like that is a part of so many immersion stories for me where i felt like i was on the ropes you know especially during Mm -hmm. boss fights um and especially in the darkest dungeon where i would not have succeeded if the uh if the die roll had went the other way um just the the, the, the fist pump exactly (laughs) <laughs> when it yeah. when uh when that when that comes through uh just like oh yeah i can i can pull this out of the clutch this is this is amazing
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah if, if you really get to grab uh you know def- victory from the jaws of defeat mm-hmm. with that um it's a it, this needle there's a hundred uh point you can cross over multiple times and things don't stack mm-hmm. um so but uh once you get to 200 stress the character has a heart attack um they either go on death's door if they're on deaths door, they die mm-hmm uh, which we'll talk about death later. Yes. Um, yeah. That was added into the game and it was very controversial mm-hmm. when it was added. Uh, and then they kind of made it better. Yeah. So this game is very different than the launch version. Uh, if you were like me and played a launch version, like that's neat, but it's way too hard. They actually did do a lot of things to make it more friendly.
1: Yeah. And uh, that's neat that the, that the game has evolved like that. That is a good thing. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Always a good thing. Yeah.
0: Let's uh let's talk camping. Let's talk in the Pacific Northwest.
1: <laughs> let's talk camping. Uh uh if you got the jester with you, it's glamping. Uh, a little bit more mm. comfortable. <laughs> uh so yeah, uh short expeditions, uh those can be done uh generally in one go, but short expeditions kind of dry up. Uh, you know, once you get uh kind of like to uh area mastery two or whatever, like the areas level up with you. Um, you're going to go on medium and long expeditions, uh, and when you go on these, you know that, that that determines the size of the dungeon and kind of like how thorough you have to be with your objective. Uh, you get either one or two pieces of firewood uh, that you can use to camp. You can do this wherever, um, as long as it's in a room. You don't do this in a hallway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a huge opportunity to get a mid dungeon, um, just kind of like benefit uh, to recover health. Uh, you can reduce a lot of stress. Uh, you can pick buffs that are going to be effective for the next, you know, four-ish encounters, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is pretty big, even in long dungeons. Um, camping is incredibly important in this game, and uh, that, that might not be especially apparent if you, uh, like me, bounced off of this before, you know, when you played it before, before you got to when medium and long dungeons were common.
0: It, it's interesting the the swing of camping is such that on champion level, like the highest level dungeons, uh, medium expeditions are easier than short ones. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to get a camp yeah. in the middle. Um, so when you camp, uh, you, you feast. You get to choose uh, how much of your food you eat. If you have a big meal, it uh, mm-hmm. restores more health and stress. No uh, to this and but this is food that's a supply um, as you're going through dungeons you get random hum- hunger checks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, they're not entirely random. There's a math to it like there's a cooldown. Yeah, uh, but you can have to eat while you're wandering around. Uh, it's worth noting that food can also heal you. Mm-hmm. So it's worth keeping a lot of food around if uh, you're low on healers yeah. for emergency healing. Um, and then you use camp uh, your team's camp skills. Uh, You have respite points, Mm -hmm. that's what they're called. Uh, The default is 12, and each skill a character can use uses a certain number of respite points. So you're allocating these 12 points to what you want to do.
1: Yeah, Um, and these camping skills have a really wide variety. Um, A few of them are not universal, but they're shared, you know, like different Mm -hmm. characters can give pep talks or do like a kind of rudimentary uh, wound binding. Um, but they are, you know, as varied as the care, as the uh, as the classes themselves, um, as varied as the combat skills that they have, um, and also incredibly important, um, you know, when you're taking them into consideration. And like the regular skills, uh, you can only have four of these equipped um to uh to to, choo- to choose from that you can uh correct me if i'm wrong you can like mess around with these before you camp you just can't uh uh, uh reallocate them when you are camping
0: during camp correct yeah. uh there are seven everyone has three of them are largely universal mm-hmm. uh, as you mentioned and then the four of them are unique um because it's dnd uh, based, you can be interrupted by monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are skills you can use to prevent ambush. Um, I always prevent ambush that that's a controversy in the darkest dungeon community. And like some people just roll with the ambushes. Um, I, <laughs> it's, Sorry. it's true. Hey, a, a
1: controversy uh, I, in the I, darkest dungeon community
0: because I mean, we I, I live in an absurd world like it's not just like two youtubers i've watched <laughs> like, <laughs> like i talk to these guys <laughs> this is as dorky as i've ever been on on a show you know who i'm glad isn't here will <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you got,
1: you got lucky punk
0: <laughs> yeah i i, I love that man very much but uh boy oh <laughs> Uh, no quarter get dragged no <laughs> quarter given plenty of quarter asked for
1: um oh god yeah. <laughs> but you always uh, well, uh stop yeah. your ambushes yeah
0: and stopping an ambush also comes with knock-on effects it's kind of like stun Yeah. so even all those skills are not created equal mm-hmm. you know we'll talk about those a little bit more when we talk about classes
1: yes uh,
0: uh let's talk about death baby. yeah hopefully talk about r.i.p yes <laughs> oh, all the bad things and the dead things but that can't be that, that, was, about, good. Uh, that,
1: that was good thanks. i like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh yeah hopefully if you if you use your camping and your skills right uh you're not gonna not gonna have anybody die uh but people are gonna die oh you're gonna lose yeah. really important characters
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's very likely eventually you get to the point where it can be pretty rare
1: yeah no uh
0: but you still even when you know the game pretty well you still the character still die
1: yeah Um, this this is one uh, of those nice games where it has an incredibly difficult beginning and end but there's a middle where you kind of you kind of have your sea legs you know mm -hmm. um and you you don't have it but i still like i had a total party wipe to the collector we'll talk about the collector (laughs)
0: oh yeah oh yeah the flavor on the collector though man Mm -hmm, yeah like leaving the spines attached so Mm -hmm. good (laughs) um so your character is more or less permadi. Uh yeah. there's a rare town event where they can come back,
1: yep <laughs> recrossing the river sticks.
0: <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, this is meant to uh it's doing a thing that Dark Souls does. Uh, there are a lot of Dark Souls comparisons in my mind with this game mm-hmm. where it is punishing to lose the character, like it's punishing to lose souls mm-hmm. and then the, the 201 level revelation is realizing it's not actually that big a deal to lose those characters yeah. like you have somebody who can take their place with just a little bit of training mm-hmm you know um but the the actual feeling is very important to the tone of the game of feeling like you got punched in the gut yes when this happens yeah um we mentioned heart attacks a little bit, but when a character reaches zero health, uh, things are are more complicated, and this is actually pretty generous.
1: It is, yeah. Um, it is. It is one of those things where uh, a, a great deal of the success of you know, the, many difficult games, quote unquote, but like the, the you know, it is most successful when you feel like you are not taken care of, but actually you are being like gen- mm-hmm. gently cradled by the developer. <laughs> Yes. You're being gently created by very the developer so. over what appears to be an, uh, a bottomless pit full of spikes.
0: <laughs> that is a good that's why people go on roller coasters and yeah. shit. You know, that's like, it's a really uh, thrilling feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh the way this game does it is uh characters go on death's door if they get to zero HP. And you have a two I think it's two thirds mm-hmm. is the initial. You have a, in your favor a chance to resist if you yes. get hit again dying um you know one third is still pretty significant you're going to die eventually but you get a lot of uh potential time to take yourself off of off of death's door Mm -hmm. um you can change your death blow resist Mm -hmm. uh to this uh with via trinkets and stuff um the biggest thing is when you uh, when you get stuck on Death's Door, even if you're healed off of it, even one hit point will take you off a of Death's Door because mm-hmm. so you're guaranteed an extra hit. Yeah. Um, but you get a Death's Door death debuff, like a mortality debuff, which will make them a little bit less effective uh, in the dungeon because they saw their demise. Yeah. You know? Hey, I almost <laughs> died fighting that fucking thing, man. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> I'm not as in it anymore. No, Makes sense.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, a uh, pretty big deal. And there, there, there are camp skills specifically that can, uh, that can deal with this, but they're rare, uh, very rare. Yeah. That'll, that'll clear off your, uh, your, your mortality debuff. Um, there, there, there's an achievement and I only know this because I got it, but it was one of the most harrowing fights I had. Um, uh, it was against one of the mini bosses in the, um, in the darkest dungeon itself. Uh, but, uh, there's an achievement for surviving five attacks on death's door. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it was just like, it was just, you know, each time, uh, resisted, 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 resisted. Mm-hmm. I only won that fight because that person managed to stay alive. Um, and I, you know, I was unable to heal, heal him for,
0: uh, for five turns because everybody else was dead. Um, the, the, yeah, that's <laughs> the plus side of things like, uh, you know, like having those clutch wins mm-hmm. like that, you know, these games that have chance being a factor like that, uh, even, you know, into the breach, which is largely free of that, still has that with the the building yep. uh resistances. Mm-hmm. Like that feel like of making a really unlikely die roll mm-hmm. is a big part of the appeal of like of literally table D you know, tabletop D and D. Yeah. And this game emulates it very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we're, like. we're
1: we're gonna talk about this when when we eventually talk about hereditary but so much of good uh you know especially like horror media, but anything that is you know kind of managing to you know to stress you out and I would say that this is a game that is managing its stress on you, the player it's about control mm-hmm. it's about controlling the consumer's breath, you know, yeah, um, and there's so many times where it's like, okay, I'm gonna see whole <sighs> breath uh. and then uh and then it's either uh. Uh, or it's. Uh, you know, as, damn you, it. As, yeah. you, as you let it out. Yeah. Uh, very emotional. And that's not exclusive to this. It's a big thing in XCOM, you know, et cetera, down the yeah. line. But it's it's, exclusive, a, it's
0: not quite exclusive, but nearly exclusive to the genre. Yes. Right. Like it's a strategy game uh, kind of trope for mm-hmm. a reason. Yeah. Yep. Um, um let's talk about stuff we find that's in the hallways. Yeah. Let's talk about some curios, baby. We're weirdly called
1: curios, the fact that you have curios, trinkets, heirlooms.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just in ain't... the uh, trinkets and baubles.
1: Yeah. Very I'm surprised that there aren't baubles. Maybe that's in one <laughs> of the expansions. Uh <laughs> curio is such a weird way to describe this. Such a yeah, such I, a weird it, weird term for it.
0: <laughs> Because it can just be a big pile of garbage. <laughs> you know, it can be, it can be like a, a, like something I would consider to be a curio, like a, a interesting chest yeah. or like display case, Uh huh. you know? And then sometimes it's just like, what if a big pile of pig parts, <laughs> like those <laughs> wanna, curios behind the butcher shop. I want to root know? around
1: in this. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I got, I got, I got a meat guy I go to for curios, stout <laughs> boobs, <moves>, curios, <laughs> yeah. you know, general gelatin making things. <laughs> No.
1: And down to the, had to take those curios down to the rendering plant
0: <laughs> <laughs> just a, Oh no, Secretariat's become a curio uh. Uh, <laughs> a baseball made of secretariat <laughs> oh god. Um, so these are these are props that you find in the dungeon, either in rooms or in hallways um and these are like these there's a wide variety of these mm-hmm. um some are universal, some are specific to different biomes, but these are things like treasure chests or altars or piles of pig parts. <laughs> and uh, you uh, you can deal with them, and there's different ways you can do it. You can raw dog it uh, and just deal with them, and these tend to have percentage chances of good and bad things happening. Mm-hmm. Or you can use a consumable uh, on them to get a much better thing happening.
1: Yeah. So uh, holy water and such.
0: Yeah. Yes. Uh, you're going to want to a lot for these when mm-hmm. you uh, when you're you know provisioning because uh, some of these are just absolutely huge. You know, they're they're just uh, really, really big. Uh, they can do things like get rid of quirks, which we'll mm-hmm. talk about. It's one of the most expensive things in the game yeah. uh, to do. You can do it for free in a dungeon. Um, and then you can get buffs that last, you know, that are better than, than most camp buffs. Yeah. You know, through these, through candy use. And a lot of times you can get treasure mm-hmm. uh, from these.
1: This is a little bit like a community chest, you know, to, to compare mm-hmm. this to a worse board game, you know. Uh, yes. could, could could go either way and you have a limited number uh, amount of influence. I never I never don't interact with these like mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I pretty much always do it unless it's like Mr. sacrifice Box. sacrifice blood to make the dungeon more difficult,
0: you know? But, yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, I, there's some of them that are generally not worth your time mm-hmm. and uh, figuring these out. Yeah. You know, like figuring out, reading these and memorizing these as part of just the game knowledge. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I want to bring holy water to the ruins because a lot of those curios really benefit it.
1: Yes. Yeah. You know? uh, so. There are some mandatory ones, uh, like traps and barricades are considered to be curios. And again, just props mm-hmm. that you interact with in the world. Uh, and, the, and those need, need, need to be dealt with. Like if you just walk over a trap. Um, you know, it, even if you, it, uh, detect it and you can see it there, I would still like dum-de-dum, just walk over it cause I wasn't paying attention. Uh, they'll have different effects, uh, diseases, yeah. uh, debuffs, et cetera. Uh, you can select yeah. which character is going to disarm it by kind of clicking on them, uh, before you, uh, before you interact with it. Uh, you want to get the person with the highest speed. I believe they have the highest, uh, the highest chance of, uh, d- disarming it without, uh, 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 activating it on themselves. There's a
0: there's a disarm stat. Is there? Uh, they'll have a percentage. Yeah. Mm. Um. And also, one a, a weird like again like three hundred and one level lesson uh, in the game is that traps are stress heals in the dungeon. Yeah. If you have people who can who can disarm them, it's free stress relief.
1: Mm-hmm. Just just um, like just like critical hits or stress heals. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. So a high crit character will do better with stress usually. Mm-hmm. Um, there are also barricades a big pile of walls uh these things you want to bring shovels for um because if you don't uh you spend time clearing it by hand which takes light sanity and health and is a big deal
1: yeah um
0: everybody who i know has played this game has you know they provision for everything but they forgot shovels yep (laughs) uh and that is that can be a real bad feeling
1: or early on uh provision shovels but didn't necessarily know how to use them uh, you mm-hmm. know, and we're, we got very confused why the shovels never depleted when I cleared the barricades and why I was losing sanity and light. Um,
0: yeah. You thought the shovels were doing, working as intended.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was like, wow. to Think about how bad it would be if I didn't bring these shovels. No, um, <laughs> yeah. no, they, they, they cleared it by hand. Like the, like the Griswolds digging the Christmas tree out of the ground by hand.
0: Yeah. This is very similar. I wonder what the team comp is the Griswolds in this. If you put together that group.
1: There's a there's a spell, you know, just the, uh, the 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 dad, uh Clark can shot Russ and then it moves Russ to the, the position behind him.
0: Yeah. yeah, the um uh and then you've had to fight the family roadster. <laughs> family <laughs> um, truckster,
1: please. If you think you hit it now, truckster. wait did you drive it?
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, but generally you're doing these to uh, to get money, yes. uh, resources and stuff, which we'll talk about now. Yeah, uh,
1: because this is not necessarily a game that is about
0: loot. You know, uh,
1: mm-hmm. there's not an awful lot of like, oh, I found this helmet and I found these greaves. You know, this is you're not on the Diablo curve for this, but it's important um, because mm-hmm. uh, yes, you want to bring resources back, uh, but also there are trade offs, right? Um, yes. because you have a very limited inventory. So when you defeat enemies or interact with curios um, that uh, have loot in them it'll bring up the loot screen uh, and you can grab either specific things or grab uh, g- grab everything and these fall into a bunch of different categories. Yeah. Uh,
0: so we have uh, money they will have. Um, we have hard forms of money, so gems mm-hmm. and stuff. These will have different, uh, they'll stack up to a certain amount and are worth different amounts. Uh, it tells you this, you don't have to guess. Um, and then there are heirlooms, um, which are these kind of side currencies that you use to upgrade buildings um, in your your Hamlet. Bust, portraits, deeds, and chests. Yeah. Uh, now um, as for wands so, and scepters. Or crest. Yeah. Yes, wands and scepters as well. Baubles, trinkets, <laughs> portraits, <laughs> deeds, and crest. Um, these are something that is not very important in the early game and become very important in the mid-game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those things. Uh, and then there are trinkets. Trinket. <laughs> um so these are uh accessories that you equip on your heroes uh you'll always get one of these as a reward for a dungeon and mm-hmm. um, there are different rarity levels and such but you can also find them in the dungeon um and these are hugely important this is other than skill set how you uh customize your party yes
1: yes um, and yeah, they're just, uh, critical to your, uh, to your, to your formation, uh, trinkets end up being, you know, most of them come with, um, they end up coming with, uh, trade offs to them, uh, mm-hmm. like very early on, like, like, um, uh, common ones, uh, end up like sacrificing speed to equip them, which makes sense if you're wearing a big old, big old heavy chain, probably not gonna, mm-hmm. um, uh, but I'm gonna move as quick as before. Uh, but, uh, the rare ones end up having, um, you know, a little bit more uh you know fewer downsides for bigger upsides,
0: yeah uh or they have uh downsides that don't matter to that specific character, yes, or that specific dungeon mm-hmm. you know you're going into the ruins and saying that lowers your bleed resist mm-hmm. or your uh, your blight resist, yeah, yeah, you know, who cares nobody's doing blight mm-hmm. uh, things like that um so these are very important they're also class specific ones that uh speak to the individual characters. Uh, so there are things that, uh, will either thematically or mechanically and oftentimes both, um, work, uh, with a specific kind of build. Hmm. So for example, uh, the highwayman, uh, has ranged and melee attacks. Um, you can get, there is like a sharpening sheath, which makes your range attacks worse, but your melee attacks better. And then, uh, the highwayman's belt buckle, which does the reverse. Yeah. Um, so you can specialize into one of those builds if you'd like.
1: Yes. Um, And this is going to be important. You know, you can change these around. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, make that match, whatever you're going to be going up against. Speaking of the highwayman and trinkets, I love that it's possible for the, uh, the highwayman that you start with to equip his own head as a trinket
0: yes uh all the uh there's there's canon names for all the characters but you the only canon you know those are the only two you start with that have canon names mm-hmm. nod and and dismus um equipping your own head again timey-wimey though it's because <laughs> it's not the first Dismas because of the uh color of madness yeah yeah multiple dismuses have gone through here <laughs> um one of the best mods for this uh includes head trinkets for all the heroes oh nice uh it's a really good mod. <laughs> um, the, uh, one of the, the early mistakes I made in playing this game was just giving everybody a trinket and then just leaving that on them
1: yes. as opposed
0: to fitting them to the expedition. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a piece of gear you equip like yeah. in a, a normal RPG.
1: Yeah, there, there's kind of a like a, I, I had a literal checklist that I followed early on. Um, where mm-hmm. it was like, okay, double check your moves, double check your trinkets, double check all this. There's like a, there's a, a pre-flight, uh, process that you need to go through if you're going to be successful. Uh, oh, mm-hmm. and also if you back out, so go, go to the screen where you're looking at the locations, um, highlighting all the stuff, backing out and, um, choo- you know, choosing your team and upgrading everybody. If you go back to the location choosing screen, make sure that you, uh, reselect the place you want to go. Uh, because yes. if you just hit embark, you're going to go to whatever is automatically highlighted. And if you are, say, outfitted for the cove and a short, <laughs> you know, uh, a short place and you end up going to, say, the wheel instead, you're going to have a very bad time. It can be really rough. Yeah,
0: yeah You got to be careful about uh, where you click on that for yes. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a big part of this, uh, when you're in the dungeon, is navigating your your inventory slots, mm-hmm. um, and the trade-off between uh, provisions and loot. So, the more well prepared you are, the less profitable mm-hmm. the game is. And this is giving you a risk reward system built right into it. Yes. You know, do I want to come in, spend a lot of money to come in, very prepared for success, or possibly uh, skimp or give up my bandages for this attractive pile of treasure? Yes. And this is very intentional. You know, the narrator comments on it. Yeah. You know, it, it's a, it's making you make that tough decision.
1: Yeah. Pick, picking it up the easy part. Getting it home's the hard part.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, once you get down, done with the uh, expedition, um, either you succeed at the mission or you retreat. Uh, if you retreat, there's a big stress cost. Um, you can retreat any time outside of battle. And in battle, you, you have an increasing chance to succeed. So it starts at like 70% or something like that. Like you have a pretty good chance. But every time you fail to retreat the chance goes up yeah so eventually you will be able to retreat it just costs a lot of stress yeah uh and you only able to carry the things that you brought in so sometimes it's better to cut your losses but tends not to be profitable
1: yeah um but yeah um, uh, regardless of how you get out you're going to get the post-mission screen um and uh if you succeeded uh you're going to be selling a bunch of stuff um including mm-hmm. uh including whatever you uh uh, brought in like you don't actually like accumulate a surplus whatever you brought in you you know it'll it'll, it'll end up being sold back uh does that mm-hmm. happen at a loss
0: uh, i don't know it it tallies them up and i could you know look at the number change while the little inventory mm-hmm. object pops up yeah but uh I, I i haven't uh if it does it's you know 150 gold and you're getting 100 back or 75 yeah, back it no. feels like a drop in the bucket mm-hmm. with the loot screen
1: yeah uh but it tallies things up uh, you get your static rewards, which you knew going in, and then whatever you found. Uh, that is uh, mm-hmm. the, 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 that is just the gravy. Um, each mission raises the mastery level of a location, uh, which determines when boss fights are going to become, become available. Mostly, um, mm-hmm. uh, the <laughs> so correct me if I'm wrong. This seems the the um, variety of missions, either you know apprentice, journeyman, or master, or any of those. Um, seem to be mostly determined by the by the roster that you had uh as you leveled hmm. up characters uh that 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 made um uh more difficult things uh show up uh or Here. is that pin is that pinned to the mastery level of the location i guess i guess that's a question
0: i think i think it's pinned to the mastery level okay uh there are some things that are determined based on your your character level Mm -hmm. Uh, certain kind of events but i think this is uh pinned to mastery level Yeah, and it's worth noting that uh easy missions don't go away right you know they they become you know less like they become rarer Mm -hmm. but you'll still have apprentice missions in the same dungeon so you can train up new characters
1: that's important um also when you're selecting missions uh unless a particular uh town event is in effect uh your characters will not um uh kind of go on milk runs you know, a high-level character will not take a low-level mission. They will consider it to be beneath them.
0: And and that range is much more narrow in default difficulty. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote we should have mentioned this earlier. Everybody who uh, is listening to this as an explainer and is planning to play this game, play on radiant. Yes, mode. It's not easy. No, nope. so don't don't expect it to be easy mode. It just loosens some of those restrictions. So on that mode, like a level five or six character can go on a level three dungeon, but won't go on a level two Mm -hmm. dungeon. So they, they, you can have people kind of shepherd. Uh, and I like that style play much more. Yes. Um, but they won't go into a level one mission because beneath them and they will go to a very difficult mission, but they'll whine about it and they get tons of stress Mm -hmm. uh, just for doing it. Yeah. Um, you also see the experience, uh, that your crew gets. Um, you get to see if they level up. You get to see which quirks they accumulate. Uh, quirks are incredibly Im- uh, important. Yeah. Um, negative quirks happen because of stressful events or high stress. Uh, positive quirks, you know, if you if you did well and kept your stress low.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and quirks are modifiers. Uh, they modify your stats or your behaviors. Um, and these are as important as uh, trinkets, yeah. basically. Um, you know, you will get a, a quirk that's like plus two speed mm-hmm. and that's great. Yeah. That's like having a, a free trinket. Yeah. Equipped. Lock that in. Get a, get <laughs> a, a shitty quirk. That's like this character, uh, steals. <laughs> uh, Raynaud always starts with kleptomania. Yeah. Uh, because of the character, the real life person, the real life crusader he's based on, mm-hmm. um, that sucks because yeah. that means he has like a 50% chance of stealing your treasure.
1: Yeah. Reducing your yeah. overall, uh, you're reducing your take.
0: He's eating your points. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's not okay. Yeah. Uh, so in between missions, one of the things you can do is get rid of these things or lock them in. Yeah. Um, and they will become, uh, negative ones will become locked in on their own. Yeah. Uh, there, if you just leave them long enough and that makes sense, like you're forming a bad habit. Yeah. Uh, basically. Um, but you, and they're more expensive to get rid of if they're locked in yeah. and, uh, positive ones, you you choose to lock in. Yes. Um, because the, you can only have five at a time and they will shuffle out. Yeah. You know, yeah. they'll so, replace each other.
1: So you don't want to have that plus two speed get replaced with, I don't, I don't know, something that's like you perform really well at low torch light.
0: It's like, no, that's not a couple garbage of garbage ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, or even just like plus two speed on the first round. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like a straight downgrade. Mm-hmm. Um, there are also diseases um, you can get diseases just from adventuring. Um, they can be inflicted in battle as well. Yeah, those are dealt with in the hamlet, and they are devastating. Yep, um, diseases are real bad. Now your characters come back with the bubonic plague and shit. Yep. It's no good.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. and I think important for that, there's no contagion system on that. So like if one character mm-hmm. gets the bubonic plague, it's not like a, you know, after a certain number of turns, they, they start spreading it to people. That's it's not like that. It's just pretty so, profound, um, pretty profound, uh, stat debuffs.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the crimson curse, which is, uh, uh, the crimson court. Yeah. The, uh, the, the disease that adds does have a contagion effect. Oh shit. I, there's always an exception. Uh, <laughs> yeah i mean well you I mean you didn't you didn't play with that and in, in I, I, I know um, <laughs> i wasn't criticizing it's you
1: it's just that it's a, it's a very it's a very complex
0: game Yeah. yeah uh that's it's basically vampirism mm-hmm. uh, so that is why it spreads as your characters will start feeding on each other uh, when they're locked up in the bar or whatever
1: yeah yeah, yeah. um but yeah diseases uh, and quirks can all be dealt with at the hamlet and gary the hamlet the town is a character itself it really is. <laughs> like it's that, a, that's a joke. I say that as a joke, but really, no. This like this, this is this is what you are upgrading. Your success determines on managing the way that this gets better.
0: Yeah. These are, these are your permanent upgrades. Yeah. You know, there's one person who lives there, the poor caretaker, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. who uh, spends a lot of time drinking and whoring. <laughs> um.
1: The, 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 the yeah. when you get late in the game and the and you are uh, buying stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Oh gosh, is it the caretaker? Who is it? That's starting. No. Yeah. So when you provision, when you're buying stuff from the caretaker and you get the visual glitch that has him like turning into the monstrosity. Ah,
0: mm-hmm. oh, so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's real good. Well, we'll, we'll that's, that's an amazing moment when that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I didn't know it could happen. Yeah. Um, so there are a number of facilities that unlock slowly, uh, in the town and these allow you to customize your heroes or deal with negative effects. Uh, your heroes um did you play with districts no
1: no i saw that that was associated with crimson court and i was like that's probably not uh probably not something i want to deal with
0: that's a okay like you didn't miss too much Mm -hmm. um they're they're purely additive okay like they don't they don't hurt you at all um they uh i'll just briefly put them here because we're also going to put them yeah um you can if you have the crimson court you can just add districts without adding you know, the actual vampirism um, and the districts are like static benefits. So you spend a lot of heirlooms and a blueprint, which is a currency that gets added to bosses mm-hmm. to make like a greenery. And the granary means you start every mission with some food. Oh, cool! Like, you start with eight food and food heals you for double, hmm. you know, so it's a big investment, but uh, there's a really good one. There's a puppet theater that makes uh, your passive stress, uh, go down you lose like 10 stress just from not doing anything just hmm. hanging out in town uh which if you have a big enough roster you know means you'll save money on stress relief things right. like that um yeah so th- those are worth mentioning you don't actually individually upgrade those you just buy them and then they're just active
1: oh nice cool
0: the base ones you actually have uh you upgrade them with heirlooms mm-hmm. well. okay cool
1: yeah, yeah. So it sounds like I didn't miss much uh, rather than just another way to use my resources. I, I was kind of, I mean, kind of riding on a shoestring, especially with heirlooms, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for, for, for the majority of this. You know, part of the process was I think that I beat this. It feels like I beat this in fewer weeks, like like, like fewer expeditions than, uh, than, than is generally preferred just because I was on the time limit. So I didn't have like an awful lot of time to get uh, to get resource rich on this.
0: Yeah. You know, that that and that's that's a okay. That's a per, like perfectly fine way to uh, deal with it. They added them with the Crimson Court with that additional challenge. Yeah. So I feel like they're they're meant to balance that out a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, these upgrade these buildings that you upgrade. Um, you either get higher levels of upgrade, you lower the cost of service or expand the services mm-hmm. uh, for them. So you either have more stress relief, more slots for stress relief. Uh, you can get more recruits that come in, higher level recruits, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Um. People relieve their stress either at the Abbey or the Tavern. And some of the quirks you can get will lock you into or out of those things. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're a Nympho, you'll only go to the, the Tavern. Yes. you know, go to the Brothel section. But if you have a Love Interest, you will not go to the Brothel. Or no, if you have the the uh, the Love Interest, you do go to the Brothel. The mm-hmm. Nympho is you get more stress relief from it. Yes. Um, things like that. Yeah.
1: If you're a known cheat, you can't gamble. Um, things like, like that. Uh, upgrading unlocked slots on these. That is, you know... Ultimately, I ended up using the stress relief uh, mostly to get rid of afflictions was when I when I Mm -hmm. turned to this. I was rotating through enough characters that just the ambient stress relief of being in town was was enough. Uh, You Mm do want to kind of keep some of these open, though, because occasionally the uh, caretaker or the town crier will be there. (laughs) <laughs> just yeah. taking up one of the slots uh so there's yep. just a random chance that one of the facilities if you only have one slot uh will be uh will be locked off to you yes
0: yeah uh they both of them have a uh, different negative and positive effects that can happen Yeah. uh to them so like if you are you know praying in the abbey like you can become uh you know consumed by visions or whatever and yeah. refuse to leave the the transept you yeah. know yeah Uh, If you're in the tavern, you can lose money or trinkets gambling Mm -hmm. um, or end up hungover the next day. Yeah. Things like that. Um, It doesn't have to happen that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And you'll get a little kind of news bulletin whenever you're in the Hamlet that will tell you, you know, Reynard was out drinking and is feeling sluggish today.
1: Yeah. So it's it's like a big, uh, you know, like, while you were out screen uh, that happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the sanitarium is very important. Uh, this is where diseases are cured uh, and also where you manipulate quirks, either removing negative ones or uh, locking positive ones in. Um, mm-hmm. Everything gets more expensive as you level up, but especially uh, quirk manipulation um, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of uprooting a uh, a locked in negative quirk. Uh, it might actually be advantageous instead to dismiss that person and bring in somebody new.
0: <laughs> Especially if they're young, like yeah. if they're if they're little and you haven't put a lot of investment into them.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, a thing the game doesn't tell you that I wish it did that ends up becoming uh, a tactic in kind of the mid game is that you can remove negative quirks and lock in positive ones at the same time. Oh shit! Uh, that we can have do been, something in each column.
1: That would have been really good to know, actually. Oh no, I, <laughs> I never the, thought uh, to
0: try that. <laughs> that uh the caregiver's convention which is the the best event that makes the sanitarium free mm. so you can lock in positive quirks for as many slots as you have and get rid of negative ones for free um you can you save a lot of money yeah for that uh if you can do both mm. and i wish there's no excuse for the game not to tell you that yeah, yeah. um you know when no, if i say a neat thing in this game does don't automatically assume that i'm being defensive about the game no uh, no no having it there.
1: <laughs> I, I was not making that assumption.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, there's also the blacksmith and the guild, uh, there, this blacksmith is where you upgrade your weapons and armor. Uh, there are four levels. Uh, this is really big. Um, your, uh, your armor determines your hit points, mm-hmm. uh, generally. And then your weapon, uh, also determines your speed. Yeah. Uh, among other things. So this is very, very important. Um, you do not want to come into a dungeon under kitted.
1: No, no, like just raising resolve levels does not come with all the advantages of, of, mm-hmm. of raising levels. Uh, the the, yeah. the, the, important things, especially for survivability are tied to your gear. Um, and yeah. this takes money. Uh, it's one of you know, the, this is going to be this and upgrading your, uh, your moveset at the, um, mm-hmm. at the, at the guild is going to be, you know, one of the most important reasons that you're going to want to be
0: flush with cash. Yeah. Uh, the guild is where you unlock skills and then upgrade them. Um, another thing to keep in mind, you don't need to upgrade every skill.
1: No, just your specialties. You know,
0: yeah. Just the ones you use. And then some of them gain really diminished returns. So like I never upgraded a Mark skill really. Yeah. Cause it'll always apply the Mark. The Mark can't miss. Mm-hmm. They always have some kind of knock on thing, but other than the one that removes protection, yeah, um, I generally kept those at level one. So you want to be choosy where you spend money here.
1: Yeah. Uh, you um, know, you don't want to spend a, yeah. an awful lot of money. Like, I don't know. There's no reason for my blight for my uh, uh, plate doctor to ever use the incision,
0: you know, skill. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, is you know, it's like okay, no, not going to waste any money on that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you don't need to, you know, don't get sticker shock from looking at those. You can be be choosy on these. Yeah. And then uh, the nomad wagon, uh, or rather the survivalist, um, is like the guild, but it gives you camping skills. Mm-hmm. Um, these are expensive, but they don't have levels. You just unlock them, and then they're unlocked. Yeah. Um, you'll start with a couple of them unlocked randomly yeah and then you'll choose to have other ones yep uh the
1: nomad wagon uh very important mm-hmm. this will give you a randomized set of trinkets each week uh, that you can potentially mm-hmm. buy upgrading this um uh increases or either lowers the cost and these can get very expensive um or it will uh, increase the number of trinkets that are drawn uh and as you as you progress rare you know the mixture will start throwing in more rare stuff uh every yeah. week.
0: You know, and and sometimes that'll be exactly what you need. And you, at some point, you do a flip in the game where cash, like gold, becomes pretty common. Yeah. Heirlooms are what you're grinding for, mm-hmm. and that's when you want to start buying trinkets. Yes. Because you you know you have an idea of what you specifically want. Um. Most importantly is the stagecoach. Yeah. Um. You will always get a, a random assortment of new crew recruits every week, no matter what. Um. Sometimes you'll get more. Uh. Sometimes you'll get specific ones in addition, but you never run out of dudes. No. Um, so you want to, this is where you expand your roster. Uh, so you have how many people, um, I've never played this game and not had my roster capped out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you can improve, uh, the, how many recruits show up. So you have a, a bigger draw to choose from. Mm -hmm. This can be great. Even if you're just getting, you know, oh, I need another Vestal just getting two Vestals show up and you can choose the one that doesn't have, you know, sensitive eyes or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, the the one that has the better quirks um, or better moveset unlocked. Uh, and then improving the level in which they show up. Yeah, um, this is something that I think is also controversial in my community, the darkest dungeon <laughs> community. <laughs> my, my people, yeah, yeah, my people, and my church. This is controversial, okay? Uh, yeah. Because they tend to, uh, I don't fuck with this because they tend to come in with very expensive, locked-in quirks, mm-hmm. uh, negative quirks. Yeah. So, but I also every time I play this, I take the real slow road um stygian difficulty which is the highest difficulty on this uh is the one where you have a limited number of weeks mm-hmm. to beat the game um that is where i imagine this is actually pretty important yeah because you, know. you need that that leg up when you're replacing a lost unit for me i was like oh, i'll just train up a new guy yeah like that's no big deal
1: yeah i'm just i'm always going to be uh kind of developing the farm team for this mm-hmm. and so getting somebody in at level zero or level level one isn't necessarily that big of a problem i mean especially because those early levels come very easily um and then you yeah. can start uh, you know once you get them to like level two you know especially in the mid game it's kind of easy to just always have a rookie thrown into a team for uh, some of the bigger dungeons um it's high yeah. risk for them but you know it, 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 it will uh, level, level them up quickly yeah
0: If anything, it is worth doing it so characters show up at level one rather than level zero because level zero characters start with uh, 20 stress when they go on their first adventure Mm -hmm.
1: Too green. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, So what you're doing is you are doing this process we've discussed over and over. Right. Um, Hopefully your heroes are succeeding. You're gaining more money than you lose. You're getting better quirks and trinkets uh, as you continue as characters reach the resolve level six, uh, which is the highest level. Um and you're getting them here so you have a big enough stable to take on the darkest dungeon. Yes. Uh which we'll talk about in the back part of the episode. Yeah. Um there are town events, which we mentioned before. Um these are things that give you buffs or free levels or things like that. Um you want to be on the look you know, these are like community chest style yeah. things as well. Be on the lookout for what these are. Yeah. Uh, uh and, and when they show up to take advantage of them.
1: The, there are like a couple of these and like literally a handful that uh, mm-hmm. uh kind of imply quests that you have to deal with we'll talk about those when we mm-hmm. get there uh but uh they can be a pretty big deal um especially the yeah. um uh the bandit one
0: yeah Tip, yep uh the, yeah the, we'll we'll talk about the the bandit for mm-hmm. sure yeah um let's talk about the aesthetics of this game let's do it uh this game is an aesthetic triumph uh <laughs> <It's> absolutely unbelievable <laughs> yeah the uh you know the, the way that the, the the drawings uh the music and then the voiceover, which we'll we'll talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, all of it is very good to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a real uh, it's a real triumph of I think design over fidelity. Let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like it's a pretty like. If you look at it, it's a pretty modest product insofar as you know. Very simple 3D perspective effects are going on, um, mm-hmm. like in the dungeons themselves. Um, it is mostly it's kind of like South Park, actually. Uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, character sprites that are zoomed in on as they go through key poses, um, mm-hmm. and everything is done at the uh, at the asset level in this beautiful art style that is like this uh kind of like woodcuts mixed with illuminated manus- manuscript, uh kind of like real thick line uh style things uh, you know, you know, style characters uh, kind of mixed in with some like Mike Magnola color work going on. Yeah, um, extremely distinctive in a way that knowing Darkest Dungeon Two is going 3D. Like, I've not really looked at um, you know, screens or videos of that because I kind of want to just keep my powder dry on it. Uh, losing this 2D art style, it, it's it's going to be a bummer to me. Actually, I think I I anticipate
0: the uh, I I think uh, I I also have that same apprehension. Um, I just, I trust these devs a whole lot. Yeah. So I'm hoping they'll be managed to keep the same style. Yeah. And that same kind of feeling. Um, I really like the, the way these look. It wouldn't work for me in an action game. Nope. You know, these kind of like paper doll things almost.
1: <laughs> I, um, I, I wish that there was a better way to do the Bob, like the idle animation and the walking kind of mm-hmm. having, you know, I worked at an animation studio that primarily did character animation and After Effects. It's real like, OK, we're just going to apply some like warps on this to kind of give the give the appearance that there is movement on this. Just real mm-hmm. After Effects puppet rigging kind of stuff
0: it's very silly looking, <laughs> but, uh, for me, it works for me as the, you know, the board game, the kind of diorama yeah. that is going on here. Yeah. Um, the individual characters and monsters are all really well designed. Um, they look, uh, you know, the colors are really bold on them. Um, they have very distinctive silhouettes, mm-hmm. you know, um, the, uh, all of that stuff is very good to me. Yeah. Um, you know, the uh, the stress symbol of the game, which is the game's logo, uh, which is kind of like a, a man catcher, you know, like yeah. a, whatever that demon catch bowl, the demonite tight night catch. Bowl. Yeah, it
1: looks it looks almost like a crown of thorns, like a, or like mm-hmm. a like a tiara of thorns or something like that. It's a, it's real distinctive. Mm-hmm. It's like the literal logo for the game. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love how that pops pops up everywhere. Uh, just yeah. uh, just a, here's the word of the day, kids. paradolia.
0: <laughs> the, the opening cutscene, scene yep. with the uh the whip you know and then the uh the wagon wheel mm-hmm. turning into it really, yeah really
1: good yeah
0: um the sound design is very good so uh this like the kind of kinesthetics of like a critical hit or a, a critical failure things like that all have the appropriate sound yeah uh for them uh the music is really good one of the things uh the, if you're ever just like putting on something in the background, throw on this soundtrack to The Color of Madness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the strongest music in the game. Ooh. Uh, it's incredibly good because the one of the, the gimmicks for The Color of Madness is it's supposed to be more uncanny than just like oppressive. Mm-hmm. So they do some really weird kind of like chord changes and tricks in the the music Ooh. to it to make it sound like, I almost want to say like proggy. Uh, it's really cool.
1: Yeah. I'm down with that being experimental. It's it, it's paradoxical the way that this is earwormy. You know, like just mm-hmm. the I've had the I've had the the, the Hamlet music just going in, in my head 24 seven since I started playing this for the show. Um, mm-hmm. that, that I'm gonna partic- have that
0: playing whenever I'm at my house <laughs> I'm doing Hamlet decisions, like deciding on whether to buff Pocket or debuff Jessica. <laughs> Why would you debuff Jessica? <laughs> uh, she's got too much power. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the nerf.
1: Uh, that that picture of her resting her chin on her chin on
0: the uh the cat tree was was way too adorable (laughs) They twin all the time now. Mm. Like, now that Pocket's using his uh, freestanding cat shelf that I put on the wall, uh, they'll get in the same position up there. Ooh. Like, it's really cute. (laughs) It's also, Pocket had been, like, guarding the litter box. Okay. And then I woke up today, and they were both on the the guarding the litter box. And then I went and grabbed some coffee and came back, and then just Jessica was guarding it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I don't know what their politics are going on (laughs) with those two. They're, They're up to some kind of nonsense. So uh, Coen Brothers are scheming. <laughs>
1: some some kind of check, check to check to see that there's like they're not tunneling through the walls, you know. Yeah, like maybe they're Under just the like yeah, um, yeah, or just uh, using the litter box to like dispose of the dust. 000.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the the music is really earwormy, and you might not expect that to be because it does have kind of a uh, classical, uh, you know, or, mm-hmm. orchestral kind of kind of sound to it.
0: Uh, and then the the biggest thing for this, uh, you know, many things this game has like the kind of the appellate of my favorite version of. This is my favorite game that is narrated. Yeah. And we
1: earlier uh, we did Stanley Parable, and that game is all about the narration. You know, yeah, or or Bastion. Yes.
0: Uh this is my favorite.
1: That's really good.
0: Uh, the narration kind of takes place from a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ancestors performed by Wayne June. Um, Wayne June uh did a lot of the reason why they found him. And the reason why I agreed to do it is he had done the audiobook versions of a bunch of Lovecraft stories. Mm-hmm. And this is red hook studios, obviously big Lovecraft influence. Uh, and uh, just incredible. These little barks have the same kind of, they're also earwormy, mm-hmm. you know, even though they're not musical. Yeah. Like I will get specific deliveries of uh, Wayne June stuck in my head.
1: Yeah. Great is the uh, weapon that movies. cuts on its own. Yeah. that's on its own
0: there's also ones of these that I think are very funny yep and I do and I I promise they're intended to be like when <laughs> I love when he's like uh, you know treasure beyond all imagining you you care for such things (laughs) like he tries to play it off all casual yeah or uh if only treasure and baubles could staunch the flow of otherworldly madness (laughs) (laughs) and it's like yeah buddy yeah no i i I gotcha (laughs) yeah it's very he's just a lot i know your story Um, oh he's he's such a ham It's so good. Steal their food. Like it's just, (laughs) everything is deliciously evil. Yeah. You know, it it just, he just fucking gnaws on it. And he's so over it too. I
1: love how, I I love how disdainful he is of fucking everything.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense with the ending. Now you've seen the ending and stuff. (laughs) Of course he is. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, uh, and him narrating the, uh, the boss introductions, which we'll talk about. Mm Mm-hmm. Are just like my among my favorite, yeah, favorite things uh, that the game has done. <laughs> um, just really, really cool. And the the whole thing has this kind of like gaslight, gothic renaissance Lovecraft thing that yeah. is uh very, very strongly carried forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, incredibly Lovecraftian,
1: yeah. And just like the, the you know, I uh, uh, the backstory that's available here through the you know, the boss fight narrations. And uh, the 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 journal pages uh, that you pick up, Mm -hmm. like all of that is 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 really good. I understand there there, there's more of this in the in in the Crimson Court, especially just from poking around on uh, TV tropes, reading about characters and things. But like the characterization specifically of the ancestor is is really Mm -hmm. good. Like the fact that everything that you encounter is his fault. Um, yeah. they're, they're, like they, they do a very good job subtly and unsubtly building the, this guy up to be the monster that he is.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, and that is as Lovecraft as it gets, right? Yep. Like you are beholden to your ancestors crimes, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that as an idea is, uh, you know, one, one of the, the kind of secret thing that this does that is, uh, you know, very Lovecraftian. Um, You know, the other one that I think this handles really, really well in terms of flavor, I don't know where else to to put this, Yeah, but I think this is my favorite game to deal with. um, Being a video game hero should break your brain. Yes. Um, Your characters in this, like I'm sure there have been discoursey articles about like, whether it is uh, problematic or ableist to have a character come back with a you know, a stress uh, affliction.
1: Yeah, with with, with a with game. a named condition that real people um come yes. by for any number of complex reasons that are not I I, I rooted around at some pig parts wrong.
0: Yeah, the, the <laughs> you know the, the the bad curio behind the Arby's. Uh, the but to me, it is. I find it more frustrating uh when video games don't do anything with that.
2: Yeah, you know, yeah. just
0: the idea that like you get, you have to be this person who gets murdered and murders constantly and it does nothing to you. Mm -hmm. I think this game does that consequence both narratively and ludically Mm -hmm. as, as well as anything. Yeah. You know, you, you look you look at your like fucking draken guards or whatever, and like the game's gonna tell me I'm a bad person. Mm-hmm. But I don't give a shit. I'm just playing a really horrible ARPG. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Here it's like my characters go through the shit. I'm putting them through it. That mm-hmm. ties into the theme, you know, the narrative theme and the mechanical theme. And because of that, like they are broken. Yeah. You know, like you you can break their brains. It has a real effect on them. Yeah. It has and costs not,
1: and it has effects on has the other cost. people around them too.
0: Yeah. In in a way that feels real to me and feels very intentional, like the game is about that. Yeah. You know, not just narratively, but in terms of play as well, which is the reason why I think this is better than anything Yoko Taro has ever looked at <laughs> the, uh, or even touched, is because he, he does that in a very strong way as opposed to just telling me, oh, yeah. this character killed a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank um, you for telling me.
1: Uh, you, you know, and like, in interviews, and just you know, generally reading about this, the developers talked about you know they and making this Lovecraftian. They didn't want it to be uh, kind of this outmoded idea of you know insanity in the Lovecraft kind of way. You know, like I, I looked at the wrong book, and therefore I'm you know raving and carving symbols onto onto the wall. They they specifically cite Band of Brothers and talking about trauma. Um, And -hmm. how and how it shapes people uh, who have who who have been in extraordinary situations. And the fact that all of this is is tied to stress and is tied to things that happen. Um and uh uh you know, manifest specifically as coping mechanisms. You know, you come you know, if you had a bad experience in the in the Warrens, by God you come away with, with a phobia of the Warrens. I don't wanna go down there, yeah. it's full of pigmen,
0: dude. Yeah. <laughs> have you have you seen the flesh? Christ. <laughs> like it it's horrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and to they just like that is I don't understand. Like I, I can understand intellectually why there'd be discourse around that. Yeah, I cannot shape my head into the mindset that is offended mm-hmm. uh, by by that idea and doesn't think that it's actually really cool and good. Yeah, like even morally, not just cool. Like from a gameplay perspective, I like that. I'm doing video game atrocities because that's what video games are Mm -hmm. a collection of atrocities you do. Yeah. And my characters are not like the game is not letting me get away with it. It's not Mm -hmm. spec ops where it's like literally saying, Gary, you're a bad person. Yeah. It's saying like, look at the cost, like look at the cost. Mm -hmm. I don't get super invested in in Dismas. You know, do I have an emotional attachment to him? But I do feel like, yeah, that is what would happen if I sent him down there to almost die against a swine God.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, he would probably be pretty upset.
1: Yeah. Uh, I I I, I, I can see the, like the like the discourse going against it for like specific terminology or whatever, but I think that in the grand scheme of things, especially in, as regards horror games, where it's like ah, this character is in a is in an insane asylum because it's see, because they're bad you know like yeah. that the, the, there is there is a real stigmatization that goes on uh that does not feel present here i would probably feel different about that if i was you know more disabled by my uh, uh mental mental illnesses and things like that and anybody has their own individual right for it but looking at it i definitely agree with you that this is that, that this is uh, you know it feels different because it is again so integrated our watchword this is mechanical and it is saying something um about what these people are going through and ultimately what this all adds up to right
0: what uh, how many yeah like 100 how many video games are there where like you actually care and treat the trauma of your your characters yeah like, it's not just that my character becomes abusive, it's that I spend resources to fix them. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it altruistically, I'm doing it for mechanical reasons. Yeah. But in the game you were talking about where characters, like, they're bad, they're in an insane asylum, like, that's just their start and end point. Mm-hmm. Here, because it's fluid, because it's something that is resultant of my play, like, I actually get, like, I am I am a caretaker. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm keep taking care of my little dudes. Like, yes, sometimes I'll throw them away when they're garbage. Yes. I send them in, in horrible situations, but I look, I built you a puppet theater. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I did that. I did that for you. little business. Are you not entertained? <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's just a, I, I don't know, man. It it's, I'm really glad that I wasn't super plugged into discourse when this game came out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, also, so I, I missed I, a lot of that. Yeah. I, I think that, I, I, I don't think that it, uh, uh, I think it hit before. But before discourse poisoning really spread as much.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, Let's talk about the development before we get to the the end of the very long generalities of this episode. (laughs) Yeah,
1: uh, this is made by a very small team, uh, Red Hook Studio. I think at the time of development, it was like four or six people, depending if you count the sound team. Um, mm-hmm. But it was headed up by uh, the director, Chris Borasa, uh, and lead designer, Tyler Sigman, uh, both of whom worked at Backbone Entertainment, which is a studio that primarily did um, arcade conversions. Ports. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, bringing uh, arcade games to, uh, like, Xbox Live Arcade and such.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact that you can play the X-Men arcade game and mm-hmm. Simpsons arcade game on your 360. Yeah. These dudes. Um, so they decided to work on sign together in 2013, formed uh, Red Hook Studios in British Columbia, choosing one of the worst and most racist uh, lovecraft stories to name themselves after it's it's a good
1: like uh, it's a good name for something. It is bad oh, yeah. as when associated with that story.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, just when you know uh well, eventually like Providence does some stuff to redeem that story. like they make it a there's a better version of that in Providence yeah. mm-hmm. uh, that comic. Um, so they started working on uh, what would eventually become Darkest Dungeon. Um, initially a top-down tactics game uh, Mm -hmm. but they thought it would be boring to look at the top of everyone's heads the whole day Uh, so they switched to a side view of the combat
1: yeah Um. um And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, they switched navigation for uh, the side view for navigation as well, because they didn't want to make a whole bunch of different assets, you know, but the side view Mm -hmm. and then, you know, like the different angles at the top. It's like, let's just do everything, uh, you know, from the side view with this, uh, with this node and hallway kind of construction. And I think that like deciding to go with the side view on this is, is, you know, one of the biggest breakthroughs of this game. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there's a little bit of precedent for this, you know, marching order and things like that, like with dungeon crawlers, like the Bard's Tale. Um, you know any number of games that uh you know uh like this and legend of grimrock share uh share a lot of antecedents right
0: yes uh, grimrock is a really good uh you know comparison point yeah. for this um so early on in development they had this idea and they figured were trying to figure out which edges they need to sand down like when is position going to matter um wh- how much do you have to actually tend to your heroes how hands on do you need to be yeah um they're working on they ran out of money Uh, So they turned uh, to Kickstarter, and they already had a trailer and a working uh, product, which Mm -hmm. is Kickstarter Gold. Yes. Uh, You know, they they shot past their goal very quickly because they could say, like, hey, we got a game. Yeah. You know, we (laughs) need to finish it. Like, you will get to play with this.
1: We assure you. Yeah. We're not just idea guys. Like, we've actually done the work uh, for this um and then the rest of the development happened out in the open uh both through kickstarter mm-hmm. updates uh, updates and with uh with early access i forget the exact quote but they said something like it was strange developing this because it was like working on a game naked in a glass cube above times square i think is what mm-hmm. it was um i cannot imagine um developing a game in the open like this so so exposed to the buffeting winds of 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 fans with expectations
0: especially now, again, this seems like a thing that, like, you could do then. I don't know I, if that's just bias that makes the past I, I, feel like a more innocent time. But, like,
1: even back then, mm-hmm. I, like, it was ridiculous to hear, like, okay, you know, they, they, made, they made changes, they added a couple of different things, uh, including the the, the, the the corpses, right? The corpse system we mm-hmm. talked about earlier. And then, like, spurned Kickstarter backers try- sicking Jim Stephanie Sterling on them, saying, like, aha, yes, you know, un- uh, th- th- this is Maltheza, and like you have to understand sterling goes after like you know scams goes after asset flips and
0: flams (laughs) like like they love scams and flams they love
1: love Uh, scam scam and flim flams you get going after uh, people who kind of deserve it and they were like no this is actually like rules like why are you being a cop (laughs) (laughs) like like, why are you doing Uh, this to these people who are just working on their game it's really dirty pool i don't know
0: Super, I think it would be worse now, but no. I, I do take your point. Like it was yeah. bad then as well.
1: Yeah. It like, um, you, it, know. you know, it, I think that as like, but it was like 2015 or 2014 though. No, it was 2015 when it was out in early access. So like that was in full on, you know, con, con, you know consumer, consumer's rights, you know, consumer advocacy yes. kind of, kind of a thing in gaming. Yeah. The,
0: the dark side of Jim Stephanie Sterling. Yes. The, um, so a big hit when it came out, uh, and they supported this for a very long time. Yeah. So we have the expansions which we talked about, including, you know, the Butcher Circus, which came out, like, a couple years ago. Yeah. Like, relatively recently, the free PvP expansion for this. That works way better than you might expect. (laughs) Uh, It doesn't make any sense that PvP would work, but it does. Mm -hmm. Um, Huge portions of this were just uh, things they added on. So, like, classes. You know, the Houndmaster was an update. Things like that. When me and Nick covered it for checking out comrade an old older duck feed show um it was not very much like it, it is it is now uh no corpses no heart attacks uh stress was just a meter to a hundred and you just got afflicted and that was it mm-hmm. um and one of the things i really love about it is that uh you can change a lot of this stuff in the options menu
1: it's very customizable and, it, and that is a, that's, that's a great solution to a lot of these problems
0: and I read, yeah, I absolutely love it. Like I watched a GDC talk with these guys, and they talked about it. And they're like, "Listen, we really do believe like this is the way it should be." Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like if you prefer it that way, we're not going to take that away from you. Yeah. And I just wish that was everyone's attitude uh, <laughs> yep. in, in video games. Like, make your statement, make your authorial statement, but don't mm-hmm. patronize me. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't know what's best for Gary.
1: There's a there's a preset. Yep. There's a preset that you can hit that is like you know, make this dar- darkest dungeon settings um you know and and it puts everything to you know to the the default but it is there it is all laid out it is all explained to Mm -hmm. you uh what what each of these is going to do and they can be changed at any time
0: yeah i think i think that's great i think i think that is something every developer should should look to yeah you know for inspiration and these guys aren't unique nope and that like Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a good thing to have happen. But it's really, really changed a lot. Um, I want to briefly mention the expansions. Just say what they're like. Um, I already talked about the Butcher's Circus. Um, I don't do PvP very much, so I I only played a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I did watch it, uh, quite a bit of it, and it is neat yeah um created the the man at arms is incredibly powerful because he yells at you until he stresses out your party the other party <laughs> uh which created tons of fun memes in my community, my church, my people um with old man yells at cloud and it just being the most effective thing in the world um the uh the crimson court um is adds vampirism okay, which is a different thing a separate thing to manage uh once it gets out it can spread very easily uh the cool thing about it is you you choose when to go to the Crimson Court the first time, and you're literally opening the gates to okay. it. The ancestor locked it up um, a long time ago, and that's what adds these roving monsters to your dungeons that can give you the Crimson Curse.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, So you need to drink the blood uh, for that, or you will slowly waste away and die. Oh, shit. Uh, you get faster and faster, but weaker and weaker hmm. uh, as you get more desperate for blood. And uh, it includes the dungeons are laid out. Uh, similar to um, the Darkest Dungeon. hmm So they're specific. And they have the gimmick of you can leave any time and save your progress. Oh, nice. So you leave. When you come back, you end up in the exact same space in the dungeon. They're meant to be done over several weeks. Nice. Uh, they're hella hard. All three of the bosses are very hard. The last boss I've only beat once. Mm-hmm. Um, and they each have, they have uh, unique trinkets that come in a set. Uh, so a character will have, like a class will have two trinkets if you have them together that multiplies their effects. Mm-hmm. Very powerful. Yeah. Um, and then the Farmstead is an endless mode. Um, there's a couple story missions uh, dealing with the, the Miller. But it is a, an endless mode that has its own enemies and remixes enemies.
1: Okay. Uh, through things.
0: The Farmstead and is the you,
1: Color of Madness, right?
0: Yes. Got okay. it. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's really neat. There are, like, different qualities of light that you go through. Hmm. Uh, they give you either buffs or debuffs. Oh, That's um, cool. and, and change the music and, and the like. Uh, as you go through, yeah, and uh, it is you know it is an endless mode that you're mostly doing to get these crystal shards that you can buy really powerful trinkets. Yeah,
1: um, um, but, I mean, and, and the the story content of both of those is is, is real real unique. You know, just to, just to underline it, Crimson Court, like this is about the early days of the ancestor becoming a bastard, right? Like his he, his you know kind of like switch from being just a you know just a hedonist to starting to dabble in this really dangerous stuff,
0: right? It's what set him on the path. Like he, uh, he kills a, uh, the countess mm. in it, who is some kind of otherworldly creature that we don't know where she came from, and, uh, took her to his wine cellar and mixed her blood in with the wine. Oh, good. Uh, to, to trick all of these nobles. And instead of, uh, he got just a little bit of it, which is what, why he saw the thing or how he saw the thing that was beneath the manor, mm-hmm. but all the nobles started like fighting and fucking and degenerating <laughs> into these vampire things. And he just locked the door. So the entire time for hundreds of years, they've just been like breeding and this like big, horrible aristocratic vampire, like fuck party. Yeah. Uh, and they've all turned into these horrible, like the, the darkest dungeon take on vampires is really cool. They use mosquitoes as a, a touchstone for the design. Oh, nice. Um, really creepy. They all have like per and <laughs> shit. <laughs>
1: um and uh uh color of madness like <laughs> shows how it's literally how,
0: the color on a space yeah, it's less, but, but yeah, like
1: yeah. there the, 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 there was a guy who was like hey the 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 fields are are, are working pretty bad and like okay cool let's steer this meteor <laughs> into the planet uh so we can yeah. so so we can uh uh kind of spur on some of the crop growth oops it's like
0: tobacco it, <laughs> it's not dissimilar to tobacco. <laughs> like you know like didn't grasshoppers go on a rampage because they tried to reason with him (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Uh. they both add wandering bosses Mm -hmm. um the hardest of them one of the hardest bosses in the game is the fanatic who is a vampire hunter no uh who shows up if you bring too many crimson cursed people into a dungeon Mm. and the title screen changes to him Oh shit. Uh just smiling at you and he's he's a real motherfucker. And then the thing from the stars, which is the one uh that is added by uh the color of Madness, yeah. which is not nearly as much of a, a motherfucker, but isn't my favorite boss design or anything. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So yeah. yeah. It's cool. I, I uh, I'm I'm happy to read about them. Uh who knows what the future holds, but uh I uh you know, it, it's it's cool at least to to get spoiled on it and understand, you know, what this team is working with.
0: No, the, the uh, I'm the uh, there's a YouTuber named Bear Taffy mm-hmm. who uh, became uh, kind of big first through streaming Darkest Dungeon and uh, he got to uh, uh, voice one of the bosses in the uh, the Crimson Court. Oh, dang. Yeah, yeah I good love friend. when that happens. Yeah. Yeah, it's very sweet. And then Wayne June recorded a bunch of custom like subscriber barks.
1: Oh, I read about that. Yeah. for um, They they did that for a couple of a uh, couple of streamers, right?
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, and they're they're real fun. Because you (laughs) Mm -hmm. have the sense of humor, yeah. Um, Darkest Dungeon two coming to early access uh, on October twenty sixth.
1: Yeah, about a month after this episode hits the public feed. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, I haven't read tons about it because I do want to go in, you know, relatively fresh.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh,
0: But I'm cautiously psyched. For the changes they're gonna make, instead of it being this very long campaign,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, it is closer to a like a medium roguelike structure where like a campaign is five hours.
1: Yeah. And the... you
0: do a complete campaign in, in that much time.
1: Yeah. Just the completely changing the metagame.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm very curious as to it. Um to me, you know, Darkest Dungeon 1 is still around. Like it's not gonna I don't feel like I'm losing very much. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really want like just another like a kit with new classes and stuff. Yeah, mostly um, I've, uh, I've because of. Or, go ahead. Uh,
1: I've, I've read very little about it, but like they specifically designed it. Like we want this se- we want this to be a sequel that doesn't make the original obsolete. You know, we want people yeah. to you know continue playing both.
0: Yeah, and there's there's a uh, if you were looking for more content like I am uh in this game Uh, the mod community is incredible yeah uh you have to dig through some horny mods uh, (laughs) because it's video games make horny mods (laughs) you know i i have given up trying to to, like (laughs) trying to figure that out like every time i read about a game now i'm like oh people ship these two characters huh that's real fucking weird uh and i just decided that I, i i have to just reject it, and not think about it. I mean, like, there, the, there's I, a
1: brothel in the game, but I just, I, I don't know.
0: It's one of the least sexy brothels there is. Yeah. I like agree. the, the uh, it, it, it's a, you know, and the idea of like, oh, like Darkest Dungeon real fun. But what if I had an anime titty wench on my team that I could a little something for daddy, a little eye candy, that'd make it better. I'm like, yeah. who are these people? Yeah. Like, I, I want to play Darkest Dungeon. I love Darkest Dungeon enough to learn it inside and out. Mm-hmm. I need to be looking at tits or I'm not okay. <laughs> You can have porn up Ooh, on a second people. monitor, <laughs> like yeah, like yeah, just like keep your phone out. You know, I, I just, I just don't, I do not get it. But once you wade through that, there are tons of like really interesting classes that do stuff that it feels like the the rules were not the game wasn't designed to do. Mm-hmm. Like there are uh, classes that summon allies into the enemy's ranks hmm. that sabotage the enemies from within. Um, things like that. Uh, cl- a lot of classes that fuck around with extra turns, mm. um, which is a mechanic in the game, but isn't implemented. Uh, and then missions and bosses that are like really incredible, like cool stories yeah. uh, that you that people told with these things. Yeah, um, There's a full-length one called the Black Reliquary, which I was thinking about doing a Let's Play series of mm-hmm. if I want to do a clean Darkest Dungeon install. Uh, that sounds really neat. Like you're on an airship and you go to a totally different area. Oh, um, so very curious about the black Reliquary.
1: query. Yeah. And like, I don't know, I did a little bit of poking around in the files on the PC version and like, Mm -hmm. they made it to be extendable. Like everything is exposed. Most of like the data seats are uh, the, the data sheets are in JSON. Like it seems like they designed it explicitly to be moddable.
0: Yeah. Which again, something I really appreciate. Yeah. So, uh, that is going to be the end of our public facing section of this episode. We're no longer in a naked cube among uh Times Square. Uh to hear the rest of the episode, it's uh five bucks at patreon.com slash Yeah.
1: Um and you can not only get this, but uh every uh the full version of every premium episode we've ever done. Um mm-hmm. that includes, you know, uh what did we do last month? Not pray ah, what was last month, Gary? It was August Chrono Trigger, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. Uh, and also yeah. like uh next month in uh, in October uh, we're doing Resident Evil Eight, yeah. Uh, good stuff up in there, uh, and access to whole other shows. Like, you know, if you like, uh, darkest dungeon, you may enjoy unfilmable. Uh, the first kind Mm -hmm. of run of that was about, uh, explicitly about, um, uh, Lovecraftian, uh, like, uh, movies, like bringing Lovecraft Mm -hmm. stories and Lovecraft style, uh, stories to the screen. And now it's just a general horror movie podcast. Um, and that is available to you at the same tier where you get the full versions of the, uh, premium episodes of Wolf.
0: I think it is a really good way to spend five dollars a month. Yes, I'm biased, but if I were just a consumer, yes, you know, uh, I think that's a really good value. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And uh, until next time, take care. Take care. We appreciate you. Bye.